Blog Talk Radio. It was the ultimate setup job. Propped them up by moving them from number three to number two in the rankings and get minds racing ahead of themselves. Fatten them up with the biggest Thanksgiving feast anybody could ever want the night before the game. Turkey, gravy, stuffing, filet mignon, and then dump them in a noon game on a Friday in a stadium half empty against a team that has zero pressure on it, absolutely nothing to lose, that is playing for the pride of its senior class. Throw in the odds against winning and winning and winning, in this case, a 16th game in a row. And now you have your Miami Hurricanes walking into Heinz Field to play Pittsburgh last Friday. You saw the game. You saw the 24-14 to final score. There's only one thing worth doing with that mess. That's right. Flush it right down the toilet. championship week and the Miami Hurricanes are playing the team holding the number one rated throne right now that would have been all theirs had they not played so brutally at Pittsburgh. It's time for the Canes to rise up to the challenge.
again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. By now, I'm sure everyone knows the drill. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad. Put you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. As always, we ask the subscribers at canesport.com to submit the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We will address them as we go along throughout the show. A couple developing topics as we begin tonight. Number one, Mark Walton finally made official what we've been suspecting for quite some time. He's going to go into the NFL draft. He will not return to play another down for the Miami Hurricanes. And uh, I don't know. I personally think it's an extremely poor decision he's making. I, I think it's, it's very short-sighted. I understand he has a daughter. He feels the responsibility to support that daughter and move on in his life and make some money. However, right now, based on what I've been told by sources he's a fifth-round draft pick who maybe could hope, if things go really well, to move up potentially to the fourth round. That's a big difference than being drafted in, say, round two or round three, which maybe he would have been able to accomplish had he come back next year and had a sensational final season. So, you know, do you, do you take the quick hit of getting a little bit of money in your pocket right now? Or do you gamble on yourself and try to do better and, and really hit the jackpot in a much greater way? If I were advising Mark Walton, I would have told him to come back and improve his resume. He didn't ask my opinion. He's going pro. The other item that has evolved was Mark Richt was named ACC Coach of the Year today. Very well deserved, an award he should have won. And if Miami could beat Clemson on Saturday in Charlotte, I think Mark Richt will be under strong consideration for National Coach of the Year as well. Lastly, I don't know if everybody noticed or not, but the Miami football team was totally disrespected by the ACC coaches and media in voting for the all-ACC team. There was only one hurricane picked between offense, defense, and special teams for first-team recognition. That was kicker Michael Badgley. Now, I don't understand how a team can go through an entire conference slate undefeated, can be one stinker of a game on Friday away from literally being ranked number one in the country. And I'm not trying to make the argument that Miami's national championship team right now as it sits here today by any stretch of the imagination. But if they hadn't wet the bed against Pittsburgh the other day, they would be number one right now. But how does that team, with the record and the level of performance throughout the season, only have a kicker on the first team ACC team? I'm not talking about the All-American team. I'm talking about the ACC team. It makes no sense at all. And uh, I have a feeling Mark Rick said he wasn't mentioning it to the team. But I just have a feeling that a printout of that ACC team 
all-ACC team, will find its way into some lockers over at the Heck Center this week. And uh, so those guys can see just what people think about their season and what they've accomplished thus far. And if I were in charge of the lockers, I think I might also include that picture that Fox Sports created of Malik Young wearing a turnover chain that had been photoshopped from a U into an L. Now, there's no argument the Hurricanes played like absolute garbage at Pittsburgh. But do they deserve the level of disrespect that they're getting right now? You'll have a hard time making that argument to me. But at the same time, they have an opportunity on Saturday night to erase it, to make it all irrelevant, to shove it up the noses of their doubters. Will they be good enough to take down the defending national champions in Charlotte. Like all of you, I'm anxiously awaiting to see the answer to that question. All right, so let's go out to your phone calls. Let's hear what you think. The number is 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Greg is missing in action from the top spot tonight. I'm sure we'll hear from him later, but we're going to start out tonight in the 786, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Gary, how are you today? I'm doing great. Who's this? This is Everything 305. Uh, just wanted hey. to, to call it as quickly as I could. i got to go back to work here. But, okay. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what was the main reason why Malik was so off. Um, what what was it? Because he's he's never been the most accurate quarterback throughout the year. But the guys have always had a, an ability to make plays when you needed them to make plays. And I just I didn't see that kid uh, when they had close-ups of him on the sidelines after possessions. Um, I'm not saying he looked distraught, but he almost looked like he wasn't there. And and I'm wondering uh, to what extent do you know if, if any. Uh, the situation with his father is that is that guy? No, I don't think so. Is it impacted that was him? In, the... That was in the past. I don't think it was his father. I just think that you know you're asking a a guy who I hope I'm not insulting by saying he's an average quarterback. I mean, I think he, I mean I don't think anybody in the world would classify him as an elite quarterback. He's an average quarterback who's was asked to go 11 and 0 and I just don't know. I mean, I think it's a miracle, quite frankly, that they were sitting there 10 and 0 and you know, a winner of 16 straight games with a team that is far from built to where it needs to be built with an average offensive line, an, an average quarterback and I think it all just caught up to them. They they weren't as prepared as they needed to be. They weren't on top of their game. It it, it was it was, you know, it, it was their moment to not be at their best. And they ran into a team that was very motivated to beat them and, and was at its best and just couldn't make it out. And it happens all the time in sports. It happens all the time in college football, pro football. And the number just came up for Miami on Friday. And, uh, but like I said at the top of the show, I really think that we can literally flush the whole thing right down the toilet. It, it, it's like at this point, it's totally irrelevant. If you beat Clemson on Saturday – you're going to be in the playoff to, to, to compete for the national title. 
And that would be an amazing accomplishment for this team. If they lose, they're going to probably get put into the Orange Bowl against Alabama, unless Alabama and this TCU beats Oklahoma and Alabama sneaks in. But, uh, you know, either way, they still have football left to play where they can prove how good they are right now. Uh, and going forward, what makes you think, um, just being as unbiased as possible, what makes you think they have the opportunity to go on Saturday, execute a very high level, and on the road in a hostile environment? Because let's face it, it's going to be a Clemson crowd. What makes you think that they're going to be able to make the plays uh, that are going to be the difference in the game and, and win on Saturday? Well, I'm not going to make a prediction one way or the other, but I think that if they play at their at a high level like they did against Notre Dame and against Virginia Tech, if they can take that game and replicate it outside of Hard Rock Stadium that's the most insane environment you've ever seen where everybody's cheering for you, if they can transplant it to Charlotte, then they can beat Clemson. And, you know, I don't think Clemson is unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. They don't have Deshaun Watson this year who I think took them to a whole nother level the last couple of years and was the reason they played for the national title two years in a row and won it last year. We sat down and we evaluated this, this matchup position by position. And uh, we'll have the whole thing on the website later in the week. But when we looked at the quarterbacks, we gave a slight edge to Kelly Bryan over Malik, just because he's been a little bit more consistent and uh, probably has done a little bit better job than Malik this year. So we gave Clemson the edge at quarterback. We also gave Clemson the edge at running back just because, you know, they have a very good running game. They've averaged 215 yards a game, 5.1 yards a carry. Um, this Travis Etienne kid is really, really good and, and is a big play guy. He averages 7.4 yards a carry. And even though Travis Homer has done pretty well himself, averaging 6.3 and has seven TDs, um, by himself, we don't see how he's better than Clemson's running back position in tandem. So we gave Clemson the edge at running back also. Okay. Then we looked at the receivers and tight ends. And even with Chris Herndon out, we feel that this is an area where Miami has an edge. They have, they have depth. They have um, a variety of different styles of receivers that they could throw at Clemson. And the onus is going to be on Mark Rick to come up with a game plan where they can exploit this edge that they have at receiver that, that we feel they have. Um, Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod are, are very good players. Uh, they're very explosive, but we feel that the whole Miami receiver position in tandem with a healthy Amon Richards now, um, maybe with Jeff Thomas, hopefully finding a favorable matchup and, and, you know, getting back to where he was in the middle of the season where he made some big plays uh, maybe getting a little contribution from Michael Irvin Jr. Uh, maybe Daryl Langham puts his Superman cape back on for a couple plays. And, and same thing with Lawrence Cager, who I think is one of the X factors in this game. They need to get something out of Lawrence Cager. But if you put all those guys together, uh, you know, I think Miami's receivers have a chance to very positively impact the game. And that's an area where Miami has an edge. Offensive line, probably not close. I think, you know, Clemson has a clear edge at offensive line. Now, defensive line is a tricky one because everyone considers Clemson's defensive line the best in college football, and, and they are. They've got two great 
tackles and, and, and two great ends. So they're very, very good. But Miami has two very good tackles also and a decent pair of starting ends. But where we think Miami has a chance to play Clemson even in defensive line impact in this game is its unit as a tandem, the depth, the fact that they can rotate the bigs throughout the game with very little drop-off, and that's going to be a big key in this game, I believe. Can Miami's defensive line rise to the occasion and battle Clemson's defensive line to a stalemate in terms of impact on the football game? If you look at the linebackers, even though Miami's trio is considered pretty good, uh, Clemson's right there with them, and we think Clemson has a slight edge at linebacker. Defensive back, we give the edge to the Canes. We think the Miami secondary is a little bit better than Clemson's secondary, and that gets back to what I was just talking about. If Miami's secondary is a little bit better than Clemson's secondary, and Miami's receivers as a tandem are a little bit better, that's where Miami has an opening to compete in this football game, in my opinion. It's going to take a great game by Malik Rozier in reading coverages and getting the ball to the receivers, and it's going to take a big day by the receivers, and it's going to take a big day by Mark Richt in drawing up plays that will allow them to be successful. If all those things happen, yes, Miami should be in this game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Gary, I, I know people mentioned uh, throughout the entire, like, well, guess the last two months, how bad Florida State was. But to go up to Florida State, and that's a hostile environment. There's no question that was a hostile environment to, to overcome that, that crowd, especially when they got back in the game at the, in the fourth quarter. But to overcome that uh, shows that I think they had the ability to do that on the road. With regards to the matchups, you made some really good points, but the, the thing that I always go back to, the very, one of the first fundamentals you learn in, in trying to prognosticate or figure out who's going to win or lose, you look at the battle of the trenches. And our defensive line against our offensive line, I think that's, that's, that's going to be a win for them. And w- when it comes to well, that... Uh, if it's a win for them, that doesn't bode well for the results of the game. For us, and definitely their defensive line against our offensive line, and I've been saying this all year, it's a finesse offensive line. They don't impose their will. They're just not physically capable of doing that. Uh, So when it comes to those two factors, I think the biggest key in this game is going to be how creative Marsh can get with his offensive game plan. And I'm going to point something out that I really – it was disturbing. At Florida State, uh, Malik – was having some issues in the pocket, and he did some, some rollouts, some sprint outs, and all of a sudden he got in a good rhythm. This past Saturday, we didn't see that till like, the very end. And I, I realized it was towards the end of the game, and Pittsburgh was playing with a bunch of adrenaline, and they saw victory in sight, and they had a big, uh, a big uh, blown assignment. But if Mark doesn't incorporate Rozier's feet, to make plays with the sprint outs and the rollouts and some bootlegs, I, I think we're going to be in trouble. We've got to get him out of the pocket. If you look at every team that's given us a problem, uh, the quarterback for Virginia, for example, what did they do? They all The reason why it was a close game was because they got that guy out of our strength. Our area of strength is rushing the passer. Get him out of the pocket, move him around a little bit, and, and with some crossing routes and things of that nature, and you're going to be able to make some plays. He's got to be able – to incorporate that. And if he doesn't, it's going to be ugly, in my opinion, because 
We saw it Saturday. I don't have to go ahead and worry about you running the ball. I'll put eight guys in the box. Heck, I'll put nine in there at times and dare you to throw. So if he's not moving them around, Gary, um, <laughs> I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, if he's able to incorporate his strength, Malik's strength, which is his feet, I think it gives us more of an opportunity of having some big plays. Uh, a big key, I think, is scoring early, obviously. We've got to score early. Uh, we normally, uh, if we win the toss, we go on defense. Um, I think you've got to get the ball to this kid right away and get his confidence back because, obviously, it's not there. And all we're going to hear about is, hey, he bounced back perfectly at practice on Sunday night. He threw great and, and all that. We're not going to hear the reality of it because that kid is, it played the entire game shook. Something was not right with that kid. I don't know what it is. But you could see that wasn't the same kid. When there was a chance to go ahead and take over that game, which was the first possession, I believe, of the fourth quarter, he looked he looked totally disinterested to me. So I don't know what's wrong, but something's obviously off with this kid. And I think if Mark is able to incorporate his strength first, we'll, we'll have a shot on offense. And on the defensive side of the ball, Manny loves to blitz. But one thing, you've got to be careful with this group. Um they're able to protect. Their pass protection is pretty solid. Look, go, go through their past couple of games, go through that tape, and you'll see all the backs block well. They pick up blitz as well. They're a smart team. Offensively, they have a, smart, they have a high IQ. So it's going to be a hell of a challenge, Gary. I don't know if you noticed or not, but it looked to me like Pittsburgh was waiting for the blitz the other day. And every time the Miami blitz, they burned them with a, you know, kind of like a deep in route and caught them in man coverage and made big plays. So people are looking for the blitz from Manny Diaz, and uh, that's an adjustment that he's going to have to make. Uh, I, I think if he's able to incorporate some corner blitzes, which we didn't see any of that, and I think that's one thing we didn't see against Virginia either. It's time. We're going to pick up the four or five blitz schemes that you're predominantly, you know, that you use on most occasions. You've got to be able to incorporate new things here and there. And the linebacking group is a smart enough group, and, and I'm going to say this. If we had uh, D-Jack still in the, in the game in the rotation, I would, I would say we'd have a higher IQ on the defensive line as well. But without him being there and having a true freshman play, uh, and you can see the, the kid made three big errors on two of their scores. He had two big errors. Uh, so hopefully, not containing the edge, but hopefully we've got a different scheme altogether on defense in terms of the blitz packages as well. Well, it's good. this is going to be a coaching game. If, if Miami's going to be in the game on, on Saturday night, it, it's going to take a, a great job by the coaches of coming up with a plan that gives them a chance. I mean, their roster's not as good as Clemson's right now. Um, the depth that Clemson has is just way ahead of us right now. There's just no question. And for that matter, even though Florida State uh, is in shambles, their depth throughout every position, I think, is, is higher as well. Uh, you know, the reality of where we're at, we've been able to to make some very big plays in, in most of our games, but um, the depth is not totally there. It's great that we incorporate, what, 14, 15 guys on the defense side, side of the ball with our rotations, uh, but, you know, you even had Wilder playing a lot of snaps uh, in the fourth, fourth, third and fourth quarter against Pittsburgh. So, you know, that's, not, that's based out of necessity, and when you lose certain kids to injuries and the, all the injuries have taken a toll, and, and, and speaking of injuries, um, what's your flat, honest opinion about Michael Irvin? Is he going to be able to 
to perform on on Saturday at a high level because uh, everything I've seen about the kid, he's, he, I I just think he's a nice kid and all that, but I, I don't see him with uh, much of his, his father's abilities, to be quite honest with you. Oh come on, now that but his father's a Hall of Fame football player. Come on, you can't compare the two. I mean, my, Michael, I think has been playing better the last few weeks. I mean, he can give you a play here or there. He's not going to impact the football game. And he's not going to – certainly not have a chance to impact the football game the way Chris Herndon potentially might have been able to. Uh, you can't even begin to expect that. Don't even think about that. Uh, I, I, guess, I think that they're going to looking at Gary's not the, the skill level, the, 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 the mental capacity, the competitiveness, the desire to be there, to excel, to work. Uh, Silver Spoonitis kind of, you know, this kid. I don't think they're going to put that on him. I really don't. I I, I think Mark Rick's going to mix it up. I think there'll be times when Michael Irvin is not in the game and they go with an extra wide receiver. Uh, I think it's an opportunity to scheme a little bit. Maybe use Daryl Langham and Lawrence Cager as that bigger receiver that normally would have been Chris Herndon. And come up with ways to get them into mismatches or things like that. Listen, there's always a, there's there's always things you can do in in scheme and game plan that can throw wrinkles into the mix and screw up the other team for a while. The onus is, is on Mark Rick to do it. You know, I mean, he's a veteran coach. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows more offense than you know most people in college football will ever know. And this is his moment to shine. This is the biggest game theoretically in his entire coaching career. He never has had a team, even at Georgia, other than in 2002 when they had one loss. No, he hasn't had teams in this position before. A chance to win a conference championship, a chance to go into a playoff and contend for a national title. And this is his moment, and this is his opportunity to take all the wisdom that he's built up through all the years and put it into a game plan for one game on Saturday night um, that gives this team a chance for greatness. And I don't think it's unrealistic to expect that from Mark. And it doesn't mean that he's going to work magic. You can't change your offense or things like that. But you, in a, your team has been practicing your base offense for, for five months now. Okay? They know the plays. You know, they know the basic uh, staple plays of this offense. They don't need a million reps on those this week. You have a chance to come up with six to ten special plays here this week that you can go out there and show something that Clemson hasn't seen on film and make them adjust to what you're doing that maybe throws them a little off kilter on what they were planning to do from with their own game plan. And, and that's, that's coaching. And that's what I think they have a chance to do on Saturday. And uh, I know I'll be disappointed if they just go out there and try to pound it up the middle with the basic, you know, read option running play that they've been running all year. I mean, that would be pretty disappointing because that doesn't figure to work uh, against a team with the best defensive front in college football. You know, I think that they have to come up with some different ways to attack these guys and, and make them feel uncomfortable by making them have to think. One thing about their defense, Clemson's defense, you mentioned the linebacking, uh, the linebacking core. They have been nicked up uh, throughout the season, throughout much of the season. Not just one guy, but multiple guys. Um, at this stage, when you look at our health and you look at their health, who's the healthier team right now? You know, I haven't seen a Clemson injury report. I have no idea what their health is like. 
you know, at the end of the year, nobody's going to be perfectly healthy. Everyone's going to have bumps and bruises and nicks here or there. I think Miami's come through the season pretty, pretty good. I mean, I know they lost Walton. I, I know they lost Herndon now. And I know Amon Richards has been nicked up the whole year. It just happened to be three of their best players. But top to bottom, the roster really is relatively healthy. Well, I, I think be, because they've had so many kids had to play linebacker, Clemson has with their injuries, it's, it's going to come down to one or two big plays that we're going to have, and it's going to be a matchup. And if it's Langham or, or Cager that happen to be you know, matched up against them in, in a nickel package or a dime package, then I, I think that's going to be favorable for us. But if it's straight Michael Irvin, I, you know, I, you know that's, that scares me. They're in their base defense against our spread. That means you know we're not effective at all up front, and that's what I'm fearing, Gary, is their their inability to go ahead and really push this Clemson defense. Uh, their front four can get all the pressure alone with those four guys. They don't need to blitz. They don't need to pack at eight or nine guys. They're that athletic and they're that they're that they're that strong at the point of attack. So I agree. It's, it's going to be a hell of a challenge. Gary, I appreciate everything. Let's go Canes and let's keep our fingers crossed. Maybe we get a W here. You got it. And uh, just remember one thing. At the end of the day, when you strip the thing down right to its core, it's kids playing against kids. Okay, And that always gives you an opportunity. I don't care about the accolades and the resumes and, and, and all those things and NFL draft projections and things like that. It's kids playing against kids. And that's always an opportunity for a coach. And Miami went out. They've invested in a better coaching staff, and this is their moment to find weaknesses that you know exist in that Clemson team. They're not an infallible program. They're not an infallible team. Their number is up, too. They've been in, in, they, they've been in the playoffs two years in a row. Okay, Their number is up also. You don't just get into the playoff every single year, not even Alabama is likely to do that this year. So, you know, I, I think this is a coaching game. I think this is an opportunity. And the coaches, you know, just like you look for players to step up and big-time players step up in big-time games, I think this is an opportunity for big-time coaches to step up in a big-time game. And I'm expecting Miami to show up Saturday night very competitive and with some wrinkles and things to throw Clemson a little out of whack and get their minds racing a little bit. And hopefully it'll be a football game in, in the fourth quarter. All right, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's move on to the 757. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Man, let's get this shit quick and fast. This is Kane Kane. I ain't got time. Homeboy took a long time. I got to go watch my Hoyas play. That's what I do. Here's what we're going to say. Defense looked great all year. Defense even looked good. They had some plays they broke down. Point blank period. If Rosier play like that, we ain't going to win another game this year. All y'all Kane fans can sit back and say what you want. Offensive line play like that, we won't win another game this year. Point blank period. Offensive line ain't do nothing. And tell them stop running DJ up the middle. DJ Dallas has got the skill. But well, he can't. He don't have enough weight to go in between them tackles like that. If it's a hole, maybe. Every time they run, they're pushing them five yards back. But when they run on outside, like you said, you got to make some wrinkles. If we, if, we, if we come with the base stuff, they might beat the brakes off us. Florida State game here. They could have beat them, but they didn't. Can we beat them? Yeah, we can beat them. I don't care about that playoff crap. 
I got the three games I wanted this year. I got the Florida State game, and I wanted to be in the ACC championship. I ain't playing nothing. That's what I wanted. It took 13 years to get here. All Kane fans should be happy as hell. Yeah, we want to be in the playoffs. But guess what? If we don't get there, we knocking on heaven's door. So that means we coming, baby, and everybody's shaking in their shoes, scared to death. Jimbo Fisher talking about he might go here. He might go there. Don't worry, baby. 305 is back. Win, lose, or draw. So all y'all people, don't worry. Don't cry. We here. We're going to do the damn thing one way or another. If it ain't this year, it's next year. Because, Gary, nobody thought we'd be this good this year. And you know it, and all the Kings fans were saying we would be. That's so not yeah. true. Let's ride. That is not true. No, that's Miami not true. was the preseason favorite to win the Coastal, King Kane. Well, I mean, damn, okay, that's right. They were favorite to win the Coastal, but I'm talking about being in the playoffs because at the beginning of the year you were talking, you know, we won't even really rank, but what, 24th coming into the season or 19, 18? It, was, it really it was won't 18. that high. 18, okay. The Florida State game took us over the top, and we've been riding ever since. Pittsburgh game was a dud. Like the man said, Rosette did look like he won't even in the game. I mean, he was just looking around like, oh, well, two tears in a bucket. And then I heard his press conference. My man Charles told me, saying he was just talking out the side of his neck. He ain't like the way he was talking. But squash it, flush it, go out there, beat him, beat him side there. I should be at the game. And if you don't, I'm still not mad. But let's try to do what we can do. I ain't got time to talk no more. Go Canes. Hey, fans, Ookie dookie, everybody be black. Y'all know Everybody, tenfold, peace, I'm out, the hell with it. Let's win. I'm down. <laughs> All right, Kane Kane, thanks for calling in. Yeah, the Canes fans should be happy. But what if you lose Saturday night, and now you have two losses in a row? And what if you go to the Orange Bowl, and you lose to Alabama, and you finish this season with three straight losses? Is that happiness? I don't know how you can quantify that. As happiness. I don't know anybody affiliated with the program that I think will be happy if that's the case. So somehow, some way, you got to find a way to get the job done Saturday night. That's the way I look at it. All right, let's go out to the 352. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on today, man? This is Brad from Kanesville, a.k.a. Mullen Time. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Uh, first thing first, I would like to say is whoever – or what committee selected this first team all ACC, like you were saying, not all American, but all ACC team, they all need to get drug tested. They all got to get drug tested because I cannot believe that they, one, only had our kicker, first team all ACC, but then they go ahead and try Braxton Berrios as third team all ACC, and then they put Jaquan Johnson second team when we know, when everybody in the country knows that this guy Derwin James is literally getting first team all ACC this year just because of his name. That's the first thing. Um, I think Jaquan, especially as a junior right now, the man is stepping up. Uh, seems like every single game he's doing something amazing for us. And I think the last uh, two years before that, obviously he wasn't starting, but he was making plays that was saving us big touchdowns that was getting overlooked every single play. Yeah, no argument for me. I mean, you know – it's not a Miami's not a team with great individuals. Okay, there's nobody that you would project right now to be a first round draft pick or anything like that. And th- and that was part of the issue, no doubt. But you also can't just dismiss the season they've had. Correct. Um, second thing is uh, obviously last week against Pittsburgh, it was it was a bad game uh, on both sides. Uh, I feel our offensive line and Rozier played way under level. Um, like everybody's been saying, Rozier just didn't look 
like Rozier at all um, the, this game. Uh, and our O-line just was getting manhandled against a Pittsburgh team that if, if our O-line plays like that next weekend, that there's no, there's no chance we're going we're gonna to be able to compete in that game against that big defensive line they're talking about. Um, but I do think watching Clemson all year, that that quarterback, um, once he gets a little bit of pressure on him, he, he kind of crumbles. Um, he, he's one of those quarterbacks that, that likes to tuck in and run a lot. And I feel like, like you were saying, with all the defensive line depth we have this year, I think we can really put a, a hurting on him, hopefully. Yeah, you got to get to him. No, no question that's one of the keys to the game is you got to get to him, you got to hit him hard, and you have to rattle him. And uh, – I'm sure we're going to hear from uh, Mr. Herndon later today, hopefully. But uh, I hope I so. Say, I mean, man, uh, poor, poor, all, poor Chris. All this year, all this year man. Uh, I mean, obviously, no, no Kane fan thought we would go this far. And like uh, the last caller said, every Kane fan needs to be happy where we're all right now. But I mean, going before that Pittsburgh game, I was 100% confident in this team against Clemson. I thought Herndon would be the X factor against Clemson, and seeing him go down, man, it's just. He's gonna he's gonna be great for whatever NFL team he ends up at. Yeah, and he'll and he'll be he might make the combine and have a chance to you know solidify his status in the draft. From what I've and heard, were, the surgery uh, were, surgery went well. From what I heard, the surgery okay, went good. well, and um, you know hopefully by the spring he'll be ready to work out and, and do some things. Perfect, perfect. And then also you were talking about Walton. Um, Obviously, I, I, I got to agree with you. I, I don't think uh, this year he should have been coming out, but obviously he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Um, but I do think uh, he's got a very good opportunity to maybe even start in the NFL as quick as next year right in his backyard. Um, I think he needs to be showing the Miami Dolphins everything he's got because it looks like the Dolphins are in need of a running back. Uh, and I think maybe even Walton could uh, do some damage for those Dolphins. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. But I'm not sure you're doing the um, best thing for your family if you devalue yourself by making a bad decision. That you know, that's the only thing well, I would say. Um, I, you know, I I understand that you know you have a you know you have a y- young daughter uh, through whatever sort those circumstances were, and you feel an obligation there, which you should as a father. But uh, I'm not sure you're doing the best thing by your daughter, your family, whatever, by devaluing yourself and going out into the NFL draft before you're got the resume to do so. For sure. And I mean, you would, you would think from uh, watching Joseph Yerby do that last year, that maybe he would maybe learn a little bit more from what that happened. I mean, Walton was the number one guy last year and Yerby ended up going out and you saw, we see how that ended up turning out. Yeah. Um, but I do think uh, going in, going into uh, this game, I think it will be a very close game. Uh Obviously, I'm from Gainesville, but I will be traveling that seven-and-a-half-hour drive uh, to root for my Canes. I will be at College Game Day again, hopefully making a very uh, interesting sign to get on TV, of course. But uh, another thing you were saying was about the uh, if we were to lose and go to the Orange Bowl, everybody keeps popping up Alabama, but I keep telling people, man, they're going to try and find a way to get this Miami-Georgia matchup to happen, I think. I think the Mark Rick going against his old – team is nothing but fireworks and great for television and I also think it would be another good game and I think it would actually favor the Canes because I think we do pretty well against the run it's, it's the pass well get this yeah, I, I get what you're saying but Alabama's going to be ranked higher than Georgia if Georgia loses 
and the Orange Bowl will take the highest ranked team. Okay. And um, so that's any, why any that's why on... it's more likely to be Alabama than Georgia. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, me and me and a couple of my friends been messing around all year and saying we wanted Bama, and I it, it might come true, right? So uh... yeah, and. And, and and my bet is Mark Rick would use every connection he has in South Florida to get the Orange Bowl committee not to take Georgia because that's the last thing he needs is that circus. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, speaking of circus, you got you got Jimbo uh, might be going to Texas A&M like everybody's saying. If that happens, man, I mean, Florida is going to be nothing but filled with Miami recruits uh, for a very long time. I think if Jimbo leaves FSU, FSU is going to be going down the drain for a very long time, I think. Yeah, but you can only take you know you can only take up to your twenty five. So there, there, there's there's still course, plenty of, of players out there to go around. So speaking of, speaking of recruits, real quick, I only have a couple more things. Uh, let other people talk. Uh, any new uh, word on Tyson Campbell? Um, that was my number one concern as far as recruit. I think that's the big target that we need to uh, go after. Uh, no. I think everything's still status quo there. Um, I know that those uh, heritage kids are going to all be taking visits. I don't expect them to sign December 20th. I expect them to take it into, into January. And uh, I think Miami likes their position where they are right now, but I don't, I wouldn't look for a quick resolution there. And I see, I see Job is uh I guess it is official. I know we were talking last week about it, but I guess it is official. He will be taking that, uh that visit. Um, to Alabama over uh, Miami for that special weekend where all of our recruits come? Yeah, I don't know if that's – it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening on December the 15th. You know, I'm sure Mark Richt was not happy to hear that, and I'm sure that there's still some conversations to be had about that between now and then, but they're not going to worry about that until after they're done with this game. Of course, of course. I mean – Especially with the uh, RIP late great Sean Taylor, man. If you're gonna at the beginning of the year, especially man, if you're gonna go on social media saying how you want to wear the big two six, and then you're over here wearing crimson tie colors, I mean that's that's a little disrespectful to the U uh, and to anybody that that appreciates Sean Taylor on the field for sure. Um, and then of yep. course, last but not least, um, obviously I'm living here in Gainesville. Uh, this is something I actually thought of today. Uh, wanted to get question or, or actually answer from you about it so what do you think um obviously a lot of people have been talking about maybe adding our 10th coach next year i see that randy shannon uh is no longer with florida what do you think about adding shannon back on to the to the team as far as just recruiting for that 10th coach maybe i don't uh, think there's there's not a fit there i mean randy's not a not a pure recruiter or anything like that he's a defensive coordinator and you have a defensive coordinator so i see that happening all right. Well, um, other than that, man, uh, I can't wait uh, for this game Saturday in North Carolina. Uh, I'll be there and go Canes, man. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, guys, this next segment of Kane Sport Live is going to be brought to you by thestartup.com. We've spoken about this company all year, the company created by Canes fans, where you have to be a Canes fan to work. And they're here to help make Canes fans that are in small business that have an entrepreneurial spirit more successful in their lives. And um, the startup.com is the world's first virtual incubator created by Canes fans to help Canes fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And the folks at the startup.com have created a workplace without walls, 
and an internet-based platform called The Ecosystem, where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build their business plans, communicate and strategize with team members, and even forecast and manage their cash flows. And this ecosystem was created to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. So visit the startup.com today for a free trial. It's one site at one price to rule them all. The startup.com, where they love the Canes, but they didn't love the way the Canes played at Pittsburgh on Friday. I can tell you that. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 310. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's G Free out in L.A. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. A bunch of things to talk about today, but kind of pick up on where you were from recruiting and a little bit of what you talked about last week with uh, all the Josh Job stuff. And I don't know if this is necessarily the case, but everything that Mark and his team seem to be doing has a plan to it. What is your take, since they know that not everyone's going to come in on the early recruiting day, whether they have a strategy of trying to make sure they can, in theory, make two different splashes, a big signing day with a big part of the class in the first group, but then to not seem like they weren't part of everything a little bit later, especially with some of the other players that are out there that we know have no intention of making a decision in this first round. Do you think they're trying well, to have somebody like Job stick it out and make it seem no, exciting? No, I, I, just I, I think the if drama? they're com- I think if they're committed, they're going to be looking for them to sign on December the 20th, as they should. And if you don't want to sign on December the 20th, maybe you shouldn't be a commitment. Because if you're a commitment, why wouldn't you sign? And that's, you know, that's what I expect them to take into it. And I would include Josh Job in that category. And I think you know, if he gives them, you know, tries to big-time them and doesn't want to sign on December the 20th, uh, I don't know what the reaction is going to be for Mark Rick. You know, I know what my reaction would be, but you know, I mean, he, he he's a kid that they obviously want very badly, but I don't think you can let any recruit jerky around like that. And he's been committed for what, six, seven, eight months. It's like sign and help the coaches put together the rest of the recruiting class and go out and fill in the gaps that they need to, over the last week of December and into January. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm sure that we'll know a lot more after December the 15th. If uh, he goes to Alabama instead of Miami that weekend, I don't think that's a great sign. I think Miami wants him with the other recruits in Coral Gables that weekend. And I think they want him to sign on December the 20th, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, do you think that, I mean, I heard Rumpf on the radio being asked a question about the early signing day, and one of the things he mentioned was not wanting to force kids to sign on the first day just because it's there and he wasn't that concerned. So do you think not, public but, talk but, about that, or is that just? Well, but not kids that are undecided, that are taking visits and weighing different schools. But if you're committed to a school – that's supposed to mean you're committed to the school, and there shouldn't be any reason to not sign on December 20th, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I kind of think that there might be a little bit, maybe not with him, but with some of the others, a strategy to not have it seem like Miami wasn't having some big wins in the second window also, even though I'm sure they want to get as much of the class in as well, possible. But, I mean, but there there, there, there's, still, there's still plenty of guys that, that are in the second window. 
that you know probably will be in the second window. You know, Tyson Campbell's one of them. Pat Sertain. Uh, there'll be a whole lineup of offensive and defensive linemen still out there, probably for the second window. So, you know, there'll be enough to keep the coaches challenged. Plus, they want to move on and work on 2019 also in January. They want to get a head, yeah, a head sure. jump. They want to get a jump on everybody else in the country on the next class. And holding them hostage by not signing when you've been committed, you know, that doesn't help anybody. What do you think is, um, as far as one or two recruits that, you know, one of the, it'd be great, of course, if Jimbo bails, you know, you don't know who's going to come in. It could be a tag or it could be anyone. And, you know, U.S. got their new guy. But are there one or two recruits that you think that are in play for Miami and one of those schools that are probably the most effective that might wait it out longer? because they want to see and get a chance to, you know, see how all the court coaches either sort out or get a chance to know them a little bit. Well, I mean, I think you got to look at Patrick Joyner for sure. I mean, he's committed to Florida state and has been in heavy flirtation with the Miami coaches for several months now. I mean, I think he would definitely be a candidate to put into that category. And as it relates to, um, you know, what what happened on Friday with Pittsburgh game. I mean, it's probably the only game I haven't gone back and seen it again because it's one of those games that you could either go back in and completely overanalyze from a fan perspective or just realize it was just that clunker that, unfortunately, younger teams, inexperienced teams sometimes have. You know, the coaches go in and they figure things out. But, you know, when you were talking about before the fear from, you know, how do you feel about the season if, God help us, that Miami were to you know, lose two or three games in a row – to me, you can't really have complete revisionist history on what you expected at the beginning of the season and then have a negative opinion about what you happened when we just experienced the season that we have, right? So we all know that we were, you know, most of us were probably hopeful of getting a coastal in and getting to the ACC championship game. But for me, the way I look at it is we found out that our coaches can really develop players. We found out that they can take a little bit and make a lot out of them when we know that we have a ton of talent coming in. So, of course, I don't want us to be in a position of coming on the, off the back of three-game losing streak at the end of the season. But to me, everything that happens past this coming Saturday is dessert and gravy. And I think it's been amazing just to be back in that situation again and to watch the board on Friday. And I understand when people want to get upset and get criticized, but to go into kind of basically dick mode and then go on to social and attack players who have been giving you a season of total excitement, energy, the Notre Dame game is really pathetic. And it's kind of disgusting to see it when you have people on team sport who in theory should be some of the most educated people about this team and the expectations and everything that goes along with it to go off on a rant, not so much on the board because like I'm not one to get freaked out about that kind of stuff. I don't really have a a problem with people following the players on social just to see what they say but to then engage with them directly and call Malik things on social. And I know that most people are on game sport because you see them bring it back there. That's completely ridiculous, pathetic, and unwarranted. And I don't care if you're 18 years old and on game sport and also doing it, but don't be a dick. Yeah. It's a fair argument. I, it was, a, it was probably a little over the top. I think, you know, people built themselves up for an undefeated season. And yeah. maybe lost sight of the fact that maybe this wasn't that that team. I mean, yeah, maybe just maybe the loss just came at the, in the last game 
that easily could have come in the third game or the fourth game. I mean, they could have lost at Florida State. They could have lost to Georgia right. Tech. You know, they had, I guess, what, you know, those three games, three conference games, they essentially could have gone either way, and they won two of the three, which is better than they did a year ago. So, Yeah, being you know, disappointed, it, 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 being upset is fine, but there's, like, a line. Yeah, I, I think it was over the top. I agree. Uh, you know, it's for, for me, the critique of the game, again, I kind of wanted to throw it away. The only thing that I, you know, if, if I just was wondering about, and maybe I missed it because, again, I didn't go back and rewatch it, was just I didn't think that they took advantage enough of trying to see if DJ Dallas could add the spark earlier in the game that they, you know, in theory, Mark might have tried to do by yanking Malik in the fourth quarter. It just didn't seem like they had that moment. Get a little more really creative. To him. Get a yeah. little more creative with DJ Dallas. To maybe throw him some swing passes, isolate him out on the perimeter. You know, see, and, see, uh, what you can get, see what you can get done doing things like that. Absolutely. Maybe bring yeah. back, bring, just, back the the wild cat, bring back the wildcat package. We saw it in the Notre Dame game. He, he threw it out there for a little bit, and we didn't see it at Pittsburgh. Now maybe maybe you see a little wildcat on Saturday night. I don't know if it'll work against these guys, but. Right, they have you know, a little bit more speed to catch up to that. Yeah, but you know, make them just make them think, get them out of their comfort right. zone. You know, and then as far as you know, Mark Walton going pro. You know, I, I get where you're coming from on that, but one, any comparisons to Joe Yearby and his situation, I think are you know on the surface might seem the same, but they're completely different leagues as far as their ability go, and. I don't think that even if Mark Walton came back next year that we're talking about the potential of him playing himself into a, you know, a day one or a day two grade. He's probably, most, based off of what we've seen and what we know, someone who's going to be in the third to fifth round. And I think when, you know, and maybe this year he'll only be fourth, maybe he'll be fifth as opposed to possibly playing up to the third round. But the extra year getting towards that second contract probably changes the decision factor for guys like him versus under the last NFL agreement where maybe it would have been a different situation. And now everyone admits that you're trying to get to that second contract because it's just more important. And I don't really know whether it's worth it for him. Is he, he's probably gotten some judgment on where his abilities are and whether he's likely to play himself into a first or second round pick. So I think the jury's out there, but I think you're probably coming out a little bit too harsh on it. And for certain, anyone that's comparing him to Yearby, is a little bit off on that. I mean, it's not a matter of being harsh. I, I think he's selling himself a little short. You know, I think he's accepting a fifth-round draft status or a fourth, you know, may, it may be a fourth-round draft status. I think he's just ex- acceptance of that, and I think he's a better football player than that. You know, so I, what do you I think he would play himself into, though, if he came back knowing you were going to have had a great year, split with Homer, you know, potentially with Lingard? Third, like, second or third round, maybe, from? if he had a great if he had a great, great year, so, second or third round. From, but from a but Miami's not going to miss the beat. I agree with you on that. I mean, Lingard's no, coming in. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking yeah. about Mark's future. So if he's going to, if he can go from a fifth round draft grade, right? Let's just say he's fifth this year, versus possibly being a third, but being one year shorter on the clock. Does that actually work from a math perspective? It'd be really interesting to you know once we get into past the championship game and hopefully the playoffs to have somebody come on who can sort of break down that decision factor in an intelligent way. 
Yeah, yeah either way, you won't know till, you won't know till September if he makes a roster. Being drafted in the third round increases your likelihood of making a roster than if you drafted in the fifth round because the team sure. makes a bigger investment in you. Absolutely. You know, I'm not trying to say that there's not a difference between being a third or or a fifth rounder, but there's not like there's a lot of, you know, it's not to, you know. 500 times likely, more likely you're not going to make it as a fifth rounder because they still invested a fifth round pick. In you. It's, you know, it's a, I think there's a much greater gap between fifth and seventh than it is from third to fifth about the amount of those guys that stick. So, you know, I just, I just wonder from a clock perspective and what it means, you know, hopefully if you're able to have a, a career that gets you to a second contract, whether that like risk reward of third versus fifth versus potentially even getting injured again is worth it versus getting yourself on the clock towards the, bigger contract you can get all right fair enough you got anything else for us tonight no the only other thing i was just going to add was you know one two opinions one randy shannon i don't think he should be coming back and anyone who's thinking that is kind of crazy but i also think it's a little bit past time to just stop giving the guy grief or being mad about what he's done like he was a bad head coach it's not like he tried to do that but to continue to give him shots and then be shocked that, like, he's not the biggest pro Miami fan in his comments is sort of a little bit nuts, though, and I can't even b- believe I'm on a call trying to defend Randy. The second thing I think he is be, a Miami I'm fan. also tired of, you know, I'm also tired I don't of people I, giving Golden. I don't Golden agree with that. I don't, I don't think there's any of those guys in coaching who played for Miami that aren't Miami fans. Well, I mean, people on the board think that he took a shot, right, when he was talking about the stadium a couple of weeks ago. And all I'm saying wasn't taking is a he, shot. he, he was, exactly had an he was amazing... functioning in his role as the interim head right. coach at the University of Florida exactly. by talking up the Florida fan base. That's his job. Okay? Correct. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. That's what I'm saying. People just got to move on and understand, like, where people are in their lives and what they have to do. But even if he wasn't doing it in that role, like he hasn't exactly been treated amazingly from Miami fan base post that. So like, I don't know why people expect two-way loyalty publicly when, you know, they've had their own sort of life experience to, to deal with. And then the last I was just going to say was the, you know, the clamor to give Golden credit for being able to recruit in some of these are Golden's guys. That's like kind of giving somebody born a Tootsie's credit because there are hot girls around them. I mean, that's just pretty ridiculous. He did so He's in the middle of the hottest recruiting grounds in the world. He accidentally would have some of those players have done, you know, be in a position to do contributions under good coaching and the development. So, like, I give him no credit whatsoever for the well, players. I don't know here. that that's fair, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, I don't know if you have a feel for a hard coaching work in recruiting, but, you know, those guys – you know, grounded out like any other coaching staff, and they had to fight battles to to win on all these kids, and they they recruited the bulk of this team. So I I don't think it's fair to just totally negate it. I mean, I I get that there's hard feelings and everything else, but uh, it's not even a hard yeah, feeling thing. They're in the just like I don't think it's fair that they to would blame Randy for complimenting Florida's fan base. I don't think it's fair to negate what the Al Golden staff did when they were here. They just didn't do it all good enough. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to say that they have they didn't do their job, but I'm also saying that they're in the middle of it. It's almost impossible to have not gotten some serious talent involved, even as they blew a lot of the other things, just by the nature of where they were. Mm-hmm. 
you don't get credit for doing the most basics. You get, you get, you get credit for doing above and beyond your job or else you lose your job. And that's what happened with those. So I don't know. I, I don't think that they deserve some of the credit that people are trying to, to give them, but anyway, great show. Thanks for, uh, for taking the time. All right, man. Thank you for being part of it. Five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three is your call in number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to join us and come on the show. Let's go to the three oh five now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how are you this evening? Hey, what's up, Adam? How you doing this week? Not good. We did not look good on Friday. No. Oh man, that was painful to watch. And they were saying it, I think Rozier was off. I can't count how many times. I know he hit Richards on the one touchdown pass, but how many times did he miss Richards? And then the one where he missed Barrios after the turnover was killers, was a killer. That was the real killer. There were about four or five plays that just were absolute backbreakers, I agree. But beyond that, okay, the offensive line played like crap. And he played like crap well, also. Yeah. But is you're not going to win Rich when your quarterback and offensive from... line are both playing like crap. You're not going to beat any, is... hardly anybody. No, but is that why – I think Homer only had 10 rushes. Is that why Rick really went away from the running game? Because the I mean, offense... you can make the argument that he abandoned the running game, but every time he tried to run, yeah. they weren't getting anything. And, and you know, Pittsburgh stacks the box. They, they, that's their whole game yeah. plan every week is to take away the running game and make you beat them throwing the football. And uh, yeah. so you can make that argument both ways, really. I mean, you could say he abandoned the run, but you could also say he smart, was smart in not forcing it either. So you're, yeah. either way, you're playing probably playing the result you know though you got to make those judgments during yeah. the game and his judgment was their best chance was to win yeah. the game throwing the ball and if Malik Rozier was playing at a reasonable level he probably would have been right yeah yeah but um it, is it just me or I'm salivating over this game on Saturday because the two best games Miami's played I think this year they've played when nobody gave them a chance to win and they played with a chip on their shoulder. And that was the Virginia Tech and Notre Dame game. And yeah. that's why I'm salivating over um, Saturday's game, because we remember two years ago the 58 nothing whitewashing. And, nobody, and I can guarantee you probably the national media, nobody thinks we can beat Clemson. So we have to come in with that chip on the shoulder, because I think we're just as good as Clemson. I mean, we, I mean, maybe depth-wise, they might have a little more four- or five-star talent, but we have just as much talent as they do. I well, mean, am I, I wrong? I, think that there's, I don't think they have as much talent as Clemson, though, but I think that they have areas where they do have good enough talent to exploit some things, and, and I think that the onus is on making sure you, you do that, which should allow you to be in a very competitive football game. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're definitely right. Also, with the Mark Walton situation, why – I mean, it's, he has every right to go pro, and that's great, but why is he announcing now and not waiting until after the bowl game? When you would think – Because he signed with an agent, and it's 
when you sign with an agent, it's time to make that announcement. Yeah. But you know, I, he probably I, wants, you know, he's probably probably getting a little bit of money from the agent to carry him till the draft. Oh, okay. You know, which would because remove his eligibility as a Miami football player. So why not announce it? It's time. Yeah, no, I know. But, I mean, I think in thinking that it might have been a distraction if you – well, I guess he's not playing to so the points moot. Because if he were actually playing, I don't think he would have announced now. Because that would have been an undue distraction. Oh, there's no. Maybe that playing it, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have announced now. No chance. Yeah. Um, a couple uh, recruiting questions. Are there? Um, what's the deal with um, Jaron Williams? I think I read somewhere that he's announcing Friday night. Uh, he he has been pushing it back and pushing it back. It was supposed to be last Thursday. It was supposed to be today. Um, we still think it's coming at any time. Did he say today, Friday? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that. but Yeah, uh, I had seen that. Now he said Friday at 7.30. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, then I, he must have changed it. But, yeah, we, we've had a steady dialogue with him. Uh, there's no doubt in our, our mind that he's going to announce for Miami, and we'll just see when, and when oh, he does okay. it. So it. He's making a video. So not is, is the, what the, it, he's producing a video to make his announcement. That's what's holding it up. Well, the last time somebody was producing a video for their announcement, it turned out to backfire <laughs> with the whole Anthony McFarland thing. So it I'm not deal, yeah. really confident. But, and McFarland yeah, I don't expect had given that to happen. Yeah, and then now after watching Maryland, and I don't think McFarland played the entire year. So, and what's the situation with Josh Joe? Is there one like? Because apparently Michigan's no longer in the picture, but Alabama is. Yet he's been committed to Miami for God knows how long. Yeah, he's um, you know, he he's jerking people around a little bit. We'll we'll find okay. out on December the fifteenth. Oh, okay. And what about we'll um, and a couple we'll more see where he goes on that day? Uh, recruiting questions. Um, there was a report out of um the Gators, either Rivals or Twenty Four Seven. That they're that one of Dan Mullen's first contacts was with Nesta Sil- Silvera. Is it? Is there any? Yeah, I'm sure. Do you see him flipping? Is it, no. do you see him flipping from? Oh, so he's locked in with Miami. Well, I mean, nobody, nobody's the, locked in, but I don't see any reason why he would switch out of his Miami commitment to go to Florida. Like, well, for for Dan Mullen, like what? What would the point of that be? No, I'm. I'm I, no, I agree with you, but I'm just saying, like, does he have, like, would you see him as a flip candidate? Is what I'm saying. Like, you would I see, do, like, a Josh Job as not, a flip candidate. Not at this time, no. Okay. Um, and um, last question: What um, there's this? What there's this? I think his name is James Miller. Is there any chance that he could be that linebacker in the class? Don't, at this moment, don't think okay. so. Uh, okay. Don't believe that that's the case. But I mean, th- anything could happen, I guess. But you know, right now, I I, I don't I don't think that that's going to happen. And right now, I think that the the linebacker that, that they're going to end up taking is this um, Patrick Joyner kid. Uh, so you see Joyner with all the turmoil and at FSU, you see Joyner flipping from Florida State. I think there's a pretty good chance of that. Um, and then 
a couple more questions. But Miller, but um, Miller, Miller, Miller is on the board. Okay. I just don't know how many linebackers that they would take this year. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't think they felt like they had to take one. Okay. So if they if they do get Joiner, which we anticipate, would they take a second linebacker? Don't know. Uh, okay. And um, a couple more things. One, um, what about this wide receiver, Ezard, this former Florida State commit? I think I brought it up a couple weeks ago when I called in. Um, would he be that fourth wide receiver in the class Could be. behind Wiggins, Pope, and Hightower? Could be. And you, do know, you know, do you know – I think here, here, here's what I think, and and I don't know how the coaches feel. I haven't had this conversation with anybody there, but yeah, I think Mike Harley and Jeff Thomas have had a hard time getting open this year, and yeah. I think it would be a I think it would be a big mistake to just think you're okay at receiver because you have you know a couple of those guys like to, like that, you know. Okay. So I think if they're continuing looking to get better at receiver, you know, which they, I, I love the guys they have on the board right now, Pope, Wiggins, and Hightower. Yeah. But I would have zero problem at all if they added a fourth guy that they felt could be a game breaker. Okay. You know, you're, I mean, you're, losing, and, you're losing Barrios with a big loss. Yeah. So, and I do think Mark Pope will walk right in and make a big impact as a freshman. I do, but. Oh, a la Amon Richards last year? Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I think I do. I think he's got that kind of ability. But I don't. Um, I don't think you should be complacent about any position right now on this team. Okay, um, and, and that was my. That was that leads into my next question. With the tight end commits, um, with Jordan and Mallory, I'm sure you've seen video of both. Can any of them be like that hybrid, a la Nijoku, where you could split uh-huh. out like Jordan wide? Uh, which one? I think they both can. Yeah, you, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they're David Njoku, who's just a freak. No, but I think but, I don't wanna... but what I'm saying that you could use them in certain situations as like a tall tight end or as a yes, tall okay. wide receiver and spread them out yeah. wide. Yeah, I think you could. But you know, remember you got a lot will depend on you know evidence Njoku next year. You know, he's a big receiver. Oh, that's right. You know, High Tower is kind of a bigger re- receiver. Uh, Cager will be back. So, you, you know, Langham will be back. So you've got some big receivers too. Okay. Um, and um, this, uh, two more questions. One, um, this George kid, um, we're taking him as a fullback, right? Because I saw he yes. also played linebacker. At yes, he's coming as a fullback. Okay. Um, and is he an early enrollee as well? Oh boy! Now you got me. Let me see if I can figure that out real quick for you here. I, I've got a list of the early enrollees. Um, I do not believe he is an early enrollee. I think he'll okay. be a regular enrollee. Okay. And um, finally, um, the last question would be: um, Do you see us getting Chatfields? Because I've heard he's I, I do. I'm surprised he hasn't committed. To, yeah, I think he's going to come to Miami. I'm surprised he hasn't committed yet. But from what I understand, the, that whole group of kids at American Heritage have several visits yeah. that that they want to take, and and that that's what's holding them up in terms of committing to places. Uh, okay, because I think of the Heritage kids, the only one that I'm not so certain of is Sertain, because everybody seems to have him locked in with LSU. 
Do you feel that that's yeah. the case, that he's locked in with LSU at this point? I don't know. I mean, we'll find out, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that's the case. I think he's okay. pretty wide open and is looking at a lot of different schools. Is Miami still involved with him? Because they know they're involved yeah, they with are. Campbell. They are. I heard his dad wants him to go to Miami. But, oh, okay. Well, know, that would we'll be great. Yeah, if they could steal him at the end, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Have a great rest of the day. All right, day. Adam. Thank, thank you, as always, for being part of the show. Okay. All right. I just received a very significant text. So I want to go find this individual in the queue because he's been one of our favorite callers all year. And unfortunately things didn't go the way we all would like to see them go in Pittsburgh on Friday. And uh, one of the negative things that happened was Chris Herndon, our favorite tight end, uh, suffered a season ending uh, knee injury up there. And um, his dad's on the line now. Senior and uh, Mr. Herndon, how you, how you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Gary? I'm doing good, doing good. Um, thank you so much for, for calling in. I, I know it's probably been a hard few days for you guys to reconcile uh, Chris's injury at such an opportune time, and suddenly now he's, his Miami Hurricane time is over. But uh, give us a little update on, on how he's doing, what his spirits are like, and uh, you know any other insight you can give us. Oh, man, his spirits are up now. He's doing a lot better than he was Friday, of course. He's uh, The first time I've seen him show emotion like that in a long time, he wanted to go back into the game, but, of course, they wouldn't let him. And uh, after they put a brace on him, um, he was very depressed Friday because, of course, he hate to lose, but then that happened. and um, They could have braced him up for the championship game. Uh, he wanted to play – in the championship game, but we had to talk him off the ledge because he was like, you, you'll do more damage. You extend the risk of doing more damage, but that's just him being there for four years and, and wanting to finish and see this thing out. So it took us about two days to talk him, uh, talk him out of playing in the game Saturday. So uh, with the support of all his teammates, um, his mom, his little brother, his little sister, you know, we had to, put some reason into his head, but he was, he was very, he was down for a couple of days, but he is fine now. So. Well, that would have made no sense. I mean, he's got a whole future ahead of him it, it, to play in, injured like that. Wouldn't have been a very smart move. So I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to talk him out of it because. Uh, yeah. And it would have hurt the team more. I mean, it, it, I love his compassion, his, his passion to, to play and all that stuff, but it would have hurt the team more and, not even thinking about his future, but, you know, him out there hobbled, you know. Uh, I think it would have hurt the team more, so I'm I'm glad we were able to talk him talk him off of the ledge about playing. But, you know, he's feeling it. He's But he had his surgery yesterday. It went well. It's all cleaned up. Everything is fine. But now he just has the rehab, so. Well, I'm sure he'll he'll work hard at rehab just like he worked at playing. And uh, I know I speak for everybody listening tonight uh, in telling you that, you know, the contributions that he made to Miami football through his time, the, the type of kid that he was doing all the things right, uh, never getting in any trouble or anything, being nothing but a positive teammate and positive influence on the team. Uh, I think I speak for the entire fan base in, in telling you that everybody – you know, really appreciate it, and I and I think also appreciates the, um, I guess blueprint 
that you and your wife created as parents. So uh, I know for me, it was a pleasure watching him go through his four years at Miami. He's, uh, he's been great. Oh, thank you, Gary. And, and believe me, just, you know, talking to everybody that listens to your show, um, it means a lot, this class, that 14 class, that they are a part of a season that helped turn Miami around. And that's how they look at it. That's, you know, that's coming from the 14 class. Of course, everybody was around us up in Pittsburgh after the game. We had about seven or eight of our boys around and just talking, you know, chopping it up. But that's how they feel. That's how important it is to that all those kids that came in in 14. They're like, you know, because they realized, I think you said it, you were one of the callers said it in a couple of shows ago. When you look at it, this will probably be the most, uh, one of the least talented team that Mark Rick has moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, because it should the, work out that way. And, uh, and they believe it is. The kids see it. They believe the same thing. And that 14 class thinks so, too. And that's what they're holding. That's what they're holding their head up about. Like, hey, you know, we started this resurgence. And, you know, we, and I say we because, of course, we're going to be several <laughs> Miami Hurricanes fans. And we got a young son that's going to come through there, I'm sure. But it is on the path, you know, of getting Miami back to where it used to be. And, and they're very – him, Braxton Berrios, all those seniors, they're very excited about being a part of that. So I just wanted to tell all your fans that part of that 14 class. But it's, it's looking bright. And, and we're still not done this year. I mean, I think come uh, Saturday we're going to shock a lot of people. Well, it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, Clemson obviously is – uh, has been on top of college football for the last few years and uh, has a, a very good roster and some very good players. But I was saying earlier in the show that I think it's an opportunity for this coaching staff to come up with a game plan that gives them a chance to to beat Clemson. I don't think Clemson's uh, an unbeatable team by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, but you're not, you know, you can have to be at your best, and uh, that's okay. It's the end of the year. You should have to be at your best. Yeah, yeah, and that's of course going to hurt Young Herndon because he'll he'll still be uh, recovering back in uh, South Florida and watching the game on TV, and I know that'll get to him. But he'll be emotional about the him and D Jack, and so they're going to get together and, and have a watch party somewhere. I'm sure. Oh, good. Yeah, well, at least they'll have it. Yeah, it's got to be disappointing. You know, you go through all the work that it takes to get ready for a season, and now you're here at the big game that's been talked about at this program for so many years. Like, yeah. you've got to get to Charlotte, got to get to Charlotte, and you can't go. But, you know, dealing with adversity, I guess, is part of life for all of us. It just comes in different forms, and I'm sure oh, yeah. he'll deal and with plus, it well. You know, they, yeah, and it was his MCL, so I don't you know, anybody know anything about that stuff know that you want to hurt anything, it's an MCL. So he'll, he'll be fine. Uh, he's going to attack the rehab like he always has. He's a he's a gym rat, so he'll, he'll be fine. But all I right, well, definitely I thank you and thank you everything you've done for the last four years and reporting on him and all that stuff. Uh, he's been a pleasure. He really has. I mean, you know, there's certain kids, you know, like Berrios is one that, you know, is just like off the charts, you know, and really so many of these kids, they really got a – a, a team of really nice kids now. I, I, I know that it hasn't always been the case, but like, you know, usually football teams have a few guys that you just say, you know, you just say, Oh my God, you know, or, you know, whatever. This is a team of, of really nice kids. And, uh, you yeah. know, Chris, Sir and what, one, one good thing that Mark Rick has done, he's, 
he's institutionalized peer leadership. So he's mm-hmm. holding, you know, young Herndon and the seniors uh, by position and, and holding them to task about, you know, scooping up these young guys, leading the way for them and uh, showing them the right way to do stuff. You know, once you do that kind of stuff, man, once you put it on your leaders, you, you have positive results. And, and that's what we're seeing. So, you know, it's, it's a great thing, man. It's great to be a part of this movement for the last four years. And, and you know, I'm still going to call into your show. And next year we've already booked plane tickets to go to Jerry World for the first game of the season. So oh, that's we'll great. still be around. That's awesome to hear. Well, yeah, obviously call us anytime you want. We're always happy to hear from you. And uh, I imagine there'll be a couple guys that'll get, be getting some texts and different th- calls and stuff be- from uh, from from Chris before that game on yeah. Saturday. I'm sure he's not going to stop oh, yeah. being a leader just because he's injured. So it'll be uh, oh, interesting no. to see yeah. how, how they show up in Charlotte. Well, thank you so much Man, for calling in tonight. All right, put me on hold. I will, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you later. Chris Harden Sr. And, uh, wow, you can only imagine the emotions going through father and son both, you know, over the turn of events up there at Pittsburgh. It, it was a great catch he actually made on that play over the middle. And I guess his his knee just turned the wrong way somehow. And, uh, man, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a, it's a shame to get hurt at any time to get hurt when your team's getting ready to try to play for championships after you've been there for four years and gone through all the hard times, uh, had to be extremely difficult. And, uh, as you can see, uh, like everything else that has been part of the Herndon operation, these last four years being handled with, uh, with nothing but class five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go out now to the eight, four, five, you're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, how you doing? Hey, Greg, Greg what happened? It's 920. I don't know. I called, I called about 20 seconds later than last week, and it took me an hour and a half to get on. Well, you must have a lot of calls to you, catch yeah, you on. Yeah, and you've got a target on your back. People are bound and determined okay. to beat you to the punch. Uh, so what you got this week? I got a... I got a ton of things. I want to start off by saying Josh Job has been committed since June 15th of 19th of 2015. So it's over two years. And he's still pulling this garbage. But anyway, forget about him. Um, you just said that you didn't think Jeff Thomas gets open. The guy was wide open for a touchdown in the first series. One play. That That's one play. That's one play. Come on. But look uh, at all the long I mean, touchdowns he's, been, he's, he's obvi- hey, Greg, Greg, he's obviously been better than Harley, no doubt, and, he, and, he, and he's a kid with uh-huh. very good athletic ability. But it's very, you know, they're freshmen, and they've had a really hard time getting open this year. Well, they have. Thomas That's being honest. I mean, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being honest. I mean, you look at Berrios, he's almost always open. He runs great routes. Like, these guys don't know how to get open yet. Well, we'll learn. We'll see. All right. When you went over your synopsis of the game, you left out two huge pieces for Clemson. Hunter Renfro, who's made big catches his whole career there, including the winning touchdown in the championship game, and T. Higgins. The guy's a Unbelievable player, and he's just coming on now. 
those two are going to be big problems for Miami. No argument, but I, I see I, I see Hunter Renfro and I see a Braxton Berrios clone. Quite honestly, they're okay, they're so the he same. Knows how to get off? Yeah, they're the same guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I see. I looked over the list of the All ACC. They have three D linemen and three O linemen on the first team. Mm-hmm. Big edge for that. That's be the line of scrimmage. Right. Well, okay. Now, uh, but like I said we... earlier, Greg, the the one thing you got to hope, okay, is that even though they've they've got the great starting defensive line, you have to hope that Miami, in tandem with, you know, the guys that they are rotating in and out, can come close to matching or even equal what Clemson's D line is doing in terms of impact on the football game. That's what you have to hope. All right. Now, um, in no means can we afford to get off to our usual slow start in this game. I think two, only twice this year we've come out strong on offense, Toledo and Duke. Every other game we, we struggle out of the gate. And, and if that happens this week, they're going to leave us in the dust. Uh, I just hope Mark Rick has some something up his sleeve for this game. He's got to get creative and come up with a good game plan. You know, I uh, mean that's what he can, has. That's what he has all these years. He's got seventeen, eighteen years of head coaching experience to call upon. I, I mean, this is where you put it to use. Well, he he has been in this situation before. He had a chance to get to the championship game in twenty twelve, and they got come up a couple yards short against Alabama in the championship SEC game. So he knows he's been around big games his whole career. So I hope he's on his game this week. Um, Can we admit now that Evan Sheriffs has no business playing quarterback at Miami? He's a deal (laughs) Uh, in headlights. He's had a couple bad series. No question about it. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. I'm not gonna uh, say that that's the best he can do. I don't think it is. It, 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 I wish he had not underthrown that one pass over the middle. He just needed to get get it over the defender, and he and right. um, he just uh, short armed it a little bit. If he had completed that pass, maybe he could have gotten into a little bit of a rhythm and a little bit of a roll. But it's it's hard coming in like that, cold and you know. I don't I, know. I got you. All right. Now, I want to ask you about Mark Rick as far as bringing in somebody to help him with the play calling. Because Gus Malzahn is an offensive genius, yet he brought in this guy, Chip Lindsey. And did you watch, I, I don't know if you watched the Alabama game the other day. Did you see all the great play calling in that game by Auburn? Kept them off yeah. balance the whole game. Maybe yeah, they we did. can consider bringing in somebody like that to just freshen them up a little. I mean, I mean the guys are. I mean, I love Mark Rick, but his offense is a little old-fashioned. Well, here's what I'll say. I I, I think you got to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, just because. What kind of offense are you supposed to have when you have an average offensive line and an average quarterback? And and. I, if you look at it honestly and you take the orange and green glasses off, 
that's what this team has. It has an average quarterback and an average offensive line. And it's very, very hard to have a dynamic, crazy offense if you're average in those spots. And, you know, yeah. I, so I, I think you got to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of the creativity throughout the year and things like that. Now, that said, you're here at the end of the season now. And your team should be about as polished as it's going to get on your base offense. And now's the time to roll out some wrinkles. Well, I'm just thinking Auburn played Clemson in the beginning of the year. They got sacked 11 times. I think they have a much better offensive line than we do. They have a great offensive line. Did they really? I didn't didn't realize that. 11 sacks by Clemson. Clemson had 11, 11 sacks in that game? That's right. You can look it up. Wow, I didn't 11 realize that. 11 sacks. They held them six points. By the way, did you see that play where the uh, running back faked a run and then did the jump pass? Why can't we uh-huh. try that with D.J. Uh, Dallas? The guy's a quarterback in high school, wasn't yeah. There's no doubt. I'd love to see some. Well, I'd like to see something like that. I'm I wouldn't be surprised that. if that's in the playbook and in the in the Wildcat offense. All right, can I just ask you one thing about the basketball team? Sure. Big I game know somebody night. somebody somebody posted Miami's the only university in America with a top ten basketball and football team right now. Mm-hmm. So big uh, game. Uh, big game tomorrow night. Right. I haven't watched much of the team this year. Is it is this guy Yule starting to play a lot better than he did last yes, year? Yes, he, he he's starting to play a lot better. I'm going to be interested to see how he does against better competition. The teams they've been playing are so bad that it's just it's hard to get a great read. But the, there's no question he's playing better this year than he did last year. Uh, but tomorrow night's their big te- their first big test. They play uh, Minnesota in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They're at Minnesota. Nine o'clock game, I believe it's on ESPN, CSPN or ESPN yeah, too, yeah. and uh, I encourage everybody to watch that because that's uh, you're going to start to see whether this team is as legit as people think it is. And uh, the thing that's been kind of goofy is Lonnie Walker, who's you know supposed to be the one and done phenom coming in as a freshman, hasn't really bounced back off of his injury as well as you might have thought he would and really hasn't made any kind of impact at all uh, in the first five games and uh, hasn't looked particularly good. So obviously that's going to be a big key moving forward is to get him integrated better. And I think the way they're going to have to do that is to uh, put him in the starting lineup. He's been coming off the bench and just doesn't seem to be uh, thriving in that type of scenario. Uh, is there any word on any recruits for the basketball team? Still no, there are no, no place in recruiting right now, Greg. The whole thing fell apart when that FBI thing came out. You know, everything they had been working on fell by the wayside. And uh, I think they're just going to have to sit tight for a little bit here and try to let this thing work its way through. Uh, I would think that they'll probably try to get a couple 50-year transfers this year and be active in the transfer market. And – hope that this whole thing gets settled so that they can attack recruiting normally for next year. All right. One last point. I'll hang up. Uh, do you believe if Miami wins this game, there's no way they can be left out of the final four? That's the way I feel about it. Can they put Alabama in ahead of us? I don't think so. 
I, I can't imagine that that would happen, that they would leave out a one-loss ACC champion. I, I just I can't imagine a scenario where they would do that, to put in Alabama, which didn't even win its division in its conference. And um, I think Alabama will be well taken care of in the bowl picture. I think that the Orange Bowl will probably bring them on down, but I don't think they'll get into the playoff this year. The only way they get into the playoff is if TCU beats Oklahoma. Well, what about if Ohio State beats Wisconsin? I still you think, think other teams put Ohio State in. Um, no, I, I, I Ohio think Ohio State got I, blasted by Iowa. I mean, if both they, if both things happened and Ohio State beat Wisconsin and TCU beat Oklahoma, yeah, then I think they will get in. Uh, I'm sorry, I got to ask you this last. It's very. You you dealt with Greg Schiano over the years. What kind of guy did, did you – do you have a good relationship with him? Was he a nice person? I did. Yeah, I did. I, I had a good relationship with him when he was here. He was a, he was a nice guy. I mean, I didn't have any problems with him. Uh, some people, you know, like him. Some people don't like him. I think he would have done a great job at Tennessee. I think they really screwed themselves over. I don't think they're going to get a better coach than Greg Schiano. And I, I, I really think he would have had a chance to do a nice job at Tennessee. All right, Gary. I'll see you down in Charlotte Saturday. All right, Greg. Thank you for being part Thanks of the show, care. as always. Sorry you weren't first tonight. But uh, I think you got a target on your back. So we'll see what happens next week. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 561. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo. Gary. Yes, sir. Kane Rob Who's this? Hey, what's up, man? Kane Rob 52. How you yes, doing? Yes, sir. Man? Doing good. What you got for us? Um, no, I'm just disappointed by the season. I thought they did well, but I really feel like uh, the running that, that uh, Rosier is doing is, is messing him up because we're asking him to run and then we're asking him to throw, and he, it's and messing with his accuracy, you know? And also, I don't know if that's true, but here, here's one thing that I've noticed all year that I think he's leaving uh-huh. a little something on the table, and, and, and that's where when he gets into trouble, he just puts his head down and runs. And I don't know if that's what Mark exactly. was telling him to do. Yeah. It might be, but he, he's, no, I don't think uh, there's been one time this year where he's used his feet to buy time and improvise and hit a big play down the field in the passing game. And that's, that's a mistake I think he's making because he has, I think, the capability of doing that. But uh, is he's his running the ball this screwing running. up his whole game? I don't know. I totally agree. I, he's got to stop all this running. He's got to get back and, and pocket pass. And the other thing is, if he's going to be running like this, he's going to get hurt. How many times – this guy's going to get hurt. He's going to miss He's going to miss the playoffs if we make the playoffs. He's going to get injured. Big guys. He's not a big guy. Well, uh, he hasn't gotten injured he, so if far. I was, if I was and and, and if you're that type of quarterback, you just got to turn it loose and let it go. I don't. I don't think you play scared of getting hurt. Well, if I was if I was going to tell this kid to stop all this running, get back and complete these passes. Well, a uh, lot of it's thing designed. I, would, I, would, I mean, a lot of it is the play call. Well, well, the other thing I was going to mention is is that you can't abandon the run. Like Rick isn't is we have you know some pretty decent offensive linemen with uh, who's the freshman guy, the big guy, Najee Donaldson, Casey McDermott, you know. If you get these guys in the mindset to just pound the rock, 
you know, right from the get-go. We just run it right down Clemson's throat. Go run up the middle, not to the side, just run. And, and by the time you hit the third, the fourth quarter, these guys are going to get tired, and we're going to have them totally worn down, and then we're going to have them right where we want them. But we got to play smash-mouth football with these guys. It's, it's too much of this relying if, on – If you uh, can, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. You know, they couldn't do it against Pittsburgh. What makes you think they're going to be able to do it against Clemson? Yeah. I thought uh, – who's the backup quarterback when they put him Evan in? Sheriff. He's a big guy, man. And, you know, he's a tall guy, and he can see over the line a lot better. I mean, you can't just throw him in like that, give him one series. I mean, it, it might be worth a look having that guy play a little bit too, you know, switching him around, doing like a, like a double quarterback thing, you know, have nah, Rozier you do you, one series. I don't think so. And then, and then Sheriff do the other series. Or even, uh, you know, Nikosi, is, is he uh, – well, I, I don't think you want to use him. He's But I was doing one series. He's right. Okay. He, you do one series, uh, the tall guy, one – Did we lose you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> it, it was time for that call to be over anyway. All right. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. Hit number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 310. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Uh, not so good after that last call, but hopefully you'll make it better. <laughs> yes, hopefully. It's, it's funny you mention it because that guy, the way he's talking, I'm upset at myself. You know what? This is not NCAA football. You can't just be switching quarterbacks and thinking this is going to work. You know, this is real life. It's easier said than done. You don't want to disrupt the rhythm of the offense and then make, you know, Rozier even more, you know, uh, psychologically disturbed. Oh, man, he's, they're pulling me again. You know, you don't want to do that to your quarterback. You know, he's been leading the way not- the whole year. You got, you got to stick with him. I didn't have a problem with Mark Rick doing it the other day because, you know, I thought that I could see why he went over the edge. It, it had been three straight quarters of just absolutely horrific quarterback play. And he, would, I'm sure, was just really frustrated and the whole thing slipping away. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good message because Malik Rozier that's in practice this week is a different kid and he's got a lot more pep to his step and he's he's taking his role much more seriously and uh hopefully that translates into a good game on on saturday you know and i think it will because you know you're in a situation where clemson is the number one team and the way i see it to be the man you got to beat the man yeah and clemson's the man right now and, you know, with, with all the adversity they've gone through, all the frustration they've gone through, I think this team's going to be laser-focused and win, lose, or draw. They're going to give a great effort. And, you know, I feel pretty good. Plus, Clemson, for the, those who are juniors and seniors on the team, you know, they have a uh, debt to repay, if you know what I mean, from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. who went through that 58 to nothing beating. I know that that's on their mind, and they're going to play their hearts out no matter what. So I feel really good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to win or not win. But I, I thought – I came out of that loss the other day thinking that losing that Pittsburgh game gives them a greater chance of beating Clemson than if they had won it. And, and the reason for that is I think these kids are going are gonna to bring a little bit more of an edge with them to Charlotte. I think they feel the disrespect they're getting now. I, I, I think that they – 
are going to be out to prove that their season wasn't a fluke. And uh, I think you're going to get a good effort on Saturday. I really do. Yeah, I really do. And also, to add to that, the fact that people like Jaquan Johnson and R.J. McIntosh run on the first team All-ACC, that's just completely disrespectful. I know people have mentioned this already. It's ridiculous. You know, Derwin James, for example, from FSU, I just don't understand what the obsession with him is. People try to compare him to Sean Taylor, which is ridiculous. I just don't, I don't get it. Jaquan Johnson has played his heart out this whole year. He should be, you know, considered for All-American status, not just All-ACC status. I mean, just because you look like a, a little bit like Sean Taylor uh, body type-wise doesn't mean you're Sean Taylor. Right, and I don't understand. I've heard so many players over the years get mentioned, especially out here when uh, USC had Taylor Mays. that did the same exact thing. If you're 6'3", 220, 230, oh, next Sean Taylor is like, that doesn't mean anything, you know? You could be built just like with running backs. You could be built like Bo Jackson. doesn't mean you can play like him. You know, this whole obsession. But you know what? I think this is a good thing. All this disrespect will motivate the team, and I feel you'll see a good effort um, on Saturday. Uh, one last question. How are things going with defensive tackle um, recruiting, like Dennis Briggs and people like of that nature? It's kind of status quo. You know, the, the guys they're recruiting are looking around, weighing their different options. I don't think any commitments there are imminent. And Miami's looking around, too, at a lot of different guys. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's important. They got to get a couple good defensive tackles, in my opinion. And do you feel confident in the next couple of months when it's all said and done after the signing days, they'll, they will land at least, you know, two or three? Yeah, I do. I, I don't, you know, I expect Chatfield to be one of them. But beyond him, I don't know if Briggs will be one of them or Daniel Carson or, you know, Jared Goldwire. But, uh, I do feel like the Fair Michael enough. Thompson from St. Louis is another one that they're looking at. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Hopefully, like you said earlier, we know we'll see a creative game plan from Mark Rick, you know, maybe some motions, some quick rollouts with um, Malik Rozier. Cause the most important thing is he has to get the ball quickly. He can't, you know, you have to literally one point, one second, 1.5 seconds. They got to release the ball. Got to get out of their hands and throw Clemson's defense off. Like you said, they have to give them something to think about. And also on defense, they have to get some of their offense to think about. And, you know, it has to be a, a game if there ever was one come this Saturday. But other than that, I feel pretty good. And no matter what happens, I'm proud of this team. I mean, they did more than I expected. You know, and people need to, you know, be thankful for that. You know, the 10-win season, the first time in 14 years, we got to be thankful. And, you know, go Canes. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Thank, thank you for being part of the show. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? How you doing? It's your boy, Sebastian, man. You hope you had a good Thanksgiving. What's up, Sebastian? Yeah, Thanksgiving was good. I got in the nice dinner with my family, and then I got on the plane to Pittsburgh at 8 o'clock on Thanksgiving night. And uh, <laughs> I guess it went downhill from there because we had to, had to watch that debacle in person. Yeah, that was kind of tough, man. I was actually driving from Denver to uh, making my way over to Virginia area. I just kind of transitioned here military reassignment so yeah i was kind of excited to watch that game but i can tell you i can tell you this when i saw the first quarter i kind of knew how it was going to turn out i just never felt like they had any juice they weren't amped up for it um you know so, but I, i'm not going to dwell on it we're going to flush it we're going to move it on and i'm not going to dwell on it i'm just going to believe that those guys a couple of things two three points i want to make first of all I want to give a shout-out to uh, Chris Hernan and Chris Hernan, uh, his family and stuff. 
Uh, that was a great session that you had with his dad. I just want to say I commend him for what he represented as a player for the University of Miami. Those are kids you want inside your programs. If you recruit kids of his caliber, his type, you're going to have the same program because that's what you need. You need that leadership. You need people who do it on the field, off the field, and just exemplifies everything that you want in a good student athlete and type of the character that they exhibit. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry to see that, you know, his, ending, his season set in, but I'm grateful for everything that he contributed to the program and just how he just carried himself. You know, a lot of Miami kids get a lot of bad rap. You know, they just always feel like, you know, we're just gold thugs and, you know, and we, and, but we, they don't highlight, the people like him and Barrios and, and, and stuff like that. So I just want to just kind of throw that plug in just to say, you know, look, with everything he represented for the University of Miami, as a Kane fan, we really, really do appreciate. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, so I want to talk about the, the game with Clemson, okay? You know, at the beginning of the year, if you told me that we're going to be playing for the ACC championship, we're going to be playing for Clemson, I would have been happy. We'd, we'd have been 9-3, and 10-2. I felt like winning 10 ball games was a huge accomplishment. So, but the, the, the mere fact that we could actually play them, win, and make it to the playoffs is a whole lot more than any of us could have asked for. I'm, a, I'm just going to be honest. We could have asked for it. So, what does this game mean? A couple of things. One, I think, if anything, Miami just needs to, if nothing else, just for the first quarter, you just got to show that you belong. I think if, if if they get through the first quarter just showing that they belong on the field, that's a win in itself. That's going to tell me a whole lot how the game is going to turn out. And and, and why do I say that? You know, when we saw the when I looked at the beginning of the season, you know, the nemesis of the Seminoles and Tallahassee was, was what we were after. You know, those kids never felt like we even belonged on the field with them. And you know, aside from FSU not having a starting quarterback, they still had a pretty talented defense. There's a lot of players on FSU defense that's going to play on Sundays. So if Miami just shows up and just shows that they they belong, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I'll tell you this, Gary, and I told my buddy this because he's a big Alabama fan and I'm a, I'm a big-time Alabama hater. I knew they were going to lose to Auburn. There's something about being number one where everything just kind of goes against you. It just kind of goes against you. When you're number one, you, the only other place you can go is heaven. There's no other place to go. And so if I think if Clemson could just if, – if Miami just comes to the ball game and just show that they belong on the field, I mean, that first quarter, that's a win in and of itself. And I think the rest of the game will just kind of take care of itself. Um, here's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this last year. I really feel the loss of Mark Yearby was huge, and I'm going to tell you why. Joe Yearby. You know, Joe Yearby, Joe, Joe Yearby. When we lost Joe Yearby, I think what it really did is it kept Miami from really, really running the ball like they really wanted to because they had to protect Mark Walton. And it's hard to get that running mentality because that mentality has to be established during the off season. And if you don't get that during the spring, if you don't get that during the fall, I think – if more than anything, I think that's something that nobody's talked about this year, but I really believe the fact that we weren't able to really just kind of just – because we didn't know what we had in Travis Homer. We really didn't 
you know, really run the ball with that type of mentality. And and I think that's what's hurting us. I don't know if you want to comment on that, but, I mean, I thought that that was significant when we didn't have another running back that was able to kind of give us the depth that we needed. I agree. It, it, I mean, I know Homer's done great, but if you had Yearby and Gus Edwards on this team like you were supposed to, I think it, it would have given it a whole different look. But all that said, if the offensive line doesn't play better than it played at Pittsburgh, it wouldn't matter who the running backs are. So That's true. That's true. That's true. So, okay, so I got to give you keys to the game, and then I got to talk about recruiting. I think keys to the game to me is to make that quarterback beat us. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not playing Deshaun Watson, you know. I mean, we're playing a guy who's a first-year starter, who has a talented defense, and I think if Miami's locked, if it's able to lock down the run, if you can keep big plays, explosive plays from happening, I think it's going to be a fourth-quarter game. I think if we don't make the mistakes that can really hurt us and we can shut their run game down and force that quarterback to beat us, I think we got a, a tremendous ball game. Okay, the other, the, other key, the other key to the game, I think, for Miami is we're going to need to get some plays from people that we haven't got plays from before, whether it be uh, Amon Richards, whether it be uh, Harley, whether it be uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Thomas. We, we, in other words, somebody else is going to have to step up, you know, because, you know, they can, they're going to focus on Berrios. They're going to focus on Amon. But can you make plays with other players? whether it be the running back or whether it be another wide receiver, I think that's going to be key. And the third thing is we need to take it to the fourth quarter. That's what I believe. If keep it within one score, take it to the fourth quarter, because I believe when you're number one, everything works against you. It doesn't work for you. Everything works against you. I don't know if you want to comment on that. I just agree with everything you said. Uh, you know, I, I think they got to get contributions from some guys that you wouldn't think of earlier. I mentioned Cager, Langham. I, I, I feel that Miami, with its depth at receiver, is a place where it can have an edge on Clemson. And, you know, now they they got to find ways to use some of these guys and, and, and get them involved, and, and then they have to respond by making plays. Uh, so I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, uh, okay. I think the point you made about the first quarter is a really good one. I, I think it's you got to get off to a good start and and have a belief that you belong there and that you're not the you moment is not too not too big for you. Not big for you. It's not too big for you. You belong on the field. And the only reason why I say that is because when you get through the first quarter, just showing that you belong, anything happens. Because then you then you tell Clemson if you're gonna win this game, you're gonna win this game. We're just not gonna give it to you. And so it forces them to have to execute and not make penalties and do all those other good things. And I think a lot of that needs to happen. I'll make this last comment, then you can put me on hold. Okay, so the recruiting season is really going to take off once we get past the championship game. And here's what I believe. I believe win or lose, Miami has shown you that they can win 10 ball games, they can get to the ACC championship game. What they want to bring into their program is the players that – committed to not just getting to the ACC championship but going above and beyond. Here's what I'm saying. The kids that you have committed, hopefully they're signed. They'll sign and they'll move on. But the kids that are just kind of jerking you around, and I'm not calling no names out, I think this is the year more than anything where you can just pass on a kid and go after somebody else and it ain't going to be an uproar. You know, it, it, like last year we knew we had to have Donaldson. But this year – 
there's more talented cornerbacks and safeties than we can take. There's more talented linebackers than we can take. You know, so right now you're trying to fill your roster out with the best team that's going to help you be successful. All I'm trying to say is this ain't the year that you want to play with a Miami offer, a Miami scholarship, because I think once you get past December 15th, if certain kids are not locked into I think you can move on and get somebody else, and I think they can help the ball club, and then we can just kind of press on from there. Go ahead and comment on that, Gary. Keep me on hold. Just I think get past the first quarter. If it's a tight ball game, and we can make it to the first, get past the first quarter, make it to the first half, and it's a competitive game. I believe anything could happen. And just keep me yep. on hold. Comment on that, and uh, we'll keep this conversation going. All right, I'll just agree with what you said. I, you know, I. Don't think that they should take any junk from anybody. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think they got a really nice program now. They got a great locker room, very good chemistry, a coaching staff with very good chemistry. And um, if someone's jerking you around here in recruiting, I'm not sure that they're not going to continue to jerk around your locker room. And I think that's the last thing this program needs right now. So I agree. I would not take any junk from anybody. Um, I would not lump anybody into that category at this point, but. We'll find out all we need to know in the next few weeks. And if you're committed, you need to sign on December 20th. That's my opinion. We'll see what happens. All right, let me just take a moment. I'm not going to get long-winded here, but I do want to remind you, if you still have some holiday shopping to do, I know we've had Black Friday and Cyber Monday, but a lot of people still have some holiday shopping to do. I want to remind everybody about the offer that Harry's Razors has uh, come up with for Kane Sport Live listeners. You go to harrys.com slash cane sport and you can buy their holiday uh gift sets that they they have in different uh colors and and shapes and forms uh, harry's is the company that engineers those great f- five blade cartridges in germany um they created the company to be able to give people like us a better price on our razors so we don't have to go to the drugstores and get ripped off um, by the main brands like gillette and and, and those guys and um now Harry's wants to allow you to to give gifts to to people that you that you need to show appreciation for here in the holiday season. So um, the gift sets start at just ten dollars. They come in beautifully designed gift boxes. They're great stocking stuffers. Um, go to Harry's.com/slash/CaneSport and as a special offer to CaneSport Live listeners, uh, they will give you five dollars off your order and. Uh, this offer is only available for the holidays. So go to harrys.com slash canesport right now. That's harrys.com slash canesport. And you even can take advantage of a free shipping offer that they have for the holidays. So if you're looking for a nice little gift for somebody, uh, keep Harry's razors in mind. All right, 563-999-3633 is the number. 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, we got a just about an hour of show left, so I'm going to get to as many of your calls as I can. I'm also going to start attacking those questions that were submitted on the message board um, real, real soon here, probably after the next call. So let's go now to the 973. You're live on Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. Hey, what's up, Ross? How you doing? What's going on, Gary? All right, Gary. Um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Not happy about the loss, but I'm happy that we got 10 victories. I, like everybody else, I wanted to be 11-0, but the first quarter, 
showed me everything I needed to see. That's one of the reasons. One of my rituals is I watch the game by myself because I don't want other people's opinion while I'm watching the game and this and that. I want to pay attention to certain things that I need to see that's going to help me doing the, watching the game and enjoying it. And I saw some things right away that, you know, even on the turnover, coming over and getting the turnover train, he snatched the chain. There wasn't really nobody jumping around him. They was happy, but they weren't. There's just certain things that you see. They didn't even execute the, the turnover chain right, did they, Ross? That's what I'm saying. You know what? I, I didn't say anything about that, but I noticed the same thing. There wasn't the same level of exuberance. It wasn't the same vigor in it. It wasn't the same. It was arrogance by him alone, and that's not what we've been doing. Put the chain on, enjoy it with everybody. But I'm not here to criticize him because I'm not really – if anything, I have nothing really to say bad about the defense because I really want to concentrate, and I'm glad you got me at this part of the um, – show and not towards the answer you can rush me off um first of all right, but um, i will Andrew say this Ross, the, de- the defense didn't play as well as it usually does either so but you know what uh, they did, but gary but gary wait they did their job early they did it early for the execution that's supposed to happen on i'm not even ready i'm, I'm about to talk about the quarterback now but they did even though they didn't play great but they did their job early enough to put us in place. Come on, we, we didn't even come away with three points. That's embarrassing. Now, like I said, I'm happy. I'm happy. I am very, very happy about the season. But it's just when you want to go 11 and no, when you want to, right now we'll be sitting in that big chair, and even after maybe losing a close game to Clemson, they wouldn't have keep us out. But anyway, let's move forward. Um, our guys being overlooked with the first team, Again, shows the disrespect. And I know you t- you try to get on me all the time, Gary, saying that I always want the perfect this and I want the perfect that. I don't want the perfect. All I want you to do is show us respect. And I've been talking to you about the respect back to with our team for the years. And this is a clear sign of the disrespect when you're going to put Derwin James ahead of a kid. That's if you if you just put the numbers up. If you just put the numbers up as far as solo tackles interception, and whatever the third category number is, he's ahead of James completely. Then they have the audacity to pick a kid from Virginia who we beat and been playing better than all year at that position at first team. And then to kick us in the behind even more, you you throw us a bone and put the kicker the kicker as first team. That's just really playing around with us and being disrespectful, Gary. There's no, there's no argument about that. It's just clear disrespect, and they have always done this. And they will continue. let's touch a little bit. Let's let's touch a little bit on this, Gary. Let's let's go into the punting. You know, I haven't heard anybody bring it up. It's a long show. Maybe somebody else will. But whatever he does for the, I hope he plays well Saturday. And obviously, he has to play well again in the ball game. Let's win the ball game. Whatever we play. But I think it's imperative that we bring in walk-ons, just not for anything, just to give this guy competition. Because I have a feeling, yeah, we have a guy on the team. Well, they got a guy. They got Jack Spicer. Well, I know you do. But obviously, obviously, he hasn't given them competition for this kid to feel like, yo, Gary, you know he's average. He's average a shank a game. Ross, here's the deal. That's- okay, he's a, he's a true freshman. When you put the two of them side by side and they compete – 
he's better than Jack Spice of the walk-on. Okay, so he's the best punter you have in your your program. You know, he's just – he's a freshman who is, you know, for whatever reason, uh, breaking down under pressure, and and his mechanics are falling apart. Here's the bottom line. He's costing us. Let's call a space. You know, let's call it like you said tonight, and I'm going to attack one of the few words that you said about the quarterback, which I'm going to agree with you, but I'm also going to say a few things why, you know, because you said it. He was just, he's terrible. He's in terrible all year as far as putting and putting us in the proper position where we needed to be. The other guys that's played against him, I'll play them. Bottom line, let's not sugarcoat. Let's move on. Okay, these are your words. You said our quarterback is average. These are your words, which I agree with you. So okay. I need him, we all need him to play a fantastic game. If that's managing the game or making the proper throws come Saturday – we want it. We need it. But just in case he don't, Gary, I am not – I'll take it, I'll swallow it, and we'll have a good season. I am not interested in what he does in that ball game if we don't win Saturday. I think his job – let me ask you this. Williams, the kid Williams is going to commit to us soon. Is he an early enrollee? Possibly. Okay, because that's going to be very important. Everybody want Perry. I want Perry too. What I want is the best guy to win the job next year. Yeah, and the best guy this year, Ross, was Malik Rozier. Make no question about it. I thought thought that when I saw where where Rozier was going into the spring last year, I fully expected Nikozi Parity to be the quarterback this year as a true freshman. But Malik Rozier, to his credit, went out and seized the job. And and Nikozi needed this year. He He really needed this year. Yes, no, no, I'm not saying for nobody else to play. It's over. He he brought us to this point. I'm not saying for anybody else to play. What I'm saying, come next year, it's imperative that we have competition for Perry and competition for this kid. He was terrible Saturday. We all see it. These are your words. He's average. I'm not attacking his character. He's a great kid. He's a kid that I think, Gary, he got invited to New York. He's actually going to get an award in, New- I think, that's around Heisman time. I don't think it's a, it's like a couple of days before the Heisman. He's actually going to receive an award in New York. He's a great kid, great girlfriend and all that. That's nice. He is at Miami. So when people say, oh, he shouldn't have been pulled, that's terrible. He's, made, he's wearing big boy pants. He's wearing big boy pants on big time Miami. And we absolutely have to get the right guy in there next year if he's not doing it because we have supreme talent. You, your words, hope will start next year. Right. He'll get a lot but of but you know what, Ross? I, I think it's going to depend on how the season ends. Yeah, you know, if, you if know they what? don't I, win in Charlotte on, on Saturday and, and maybe don't win the bowl game either, then I think the job's going to be open. I, I think you got to yeah, have yeah, – at that point, I think you've got, you got to have an open competition. You got if, to. If, and you have if to he it. wins one of these last two, or both of these, or or, or 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 two of them, then I think he's got to be considered the starting quarterback going into the season. I understand that, but I think we need to put a tremendous pressure on him anyway. Because it, I'm gonna tell you this, Sheriff, do not listen. I know you're saying take it easy on him, Gary. Take it easy on him. Just a back. He should have gotten a little more serious. He's our backup quarterback. That even is supposed to be our backup quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Remember, no, he, he is. is a kid that, Remember, there's, this is the kid that's supposed to go to the Ivy Leagues or walk on somewhere else. Those are not the guys that we really bring into Miami, and those are not the guys that we're going to have to play for us. Let's just to get off it. I just want to make that point because I've been listening. I've been real, I was really interested in what you had to say about him being bold, 
And I promise you, I was praying that you was on the side of everybody else that you should, and you you agreed. So uh, I said, okay, Gary agreed with me because I don't have to come in there and get at Gary and Gary get at me. All right, let's move on to a, a couple other things, okay? Let's kick back a little bit on the defense. Linebacker position. All year you've been really, really big on this kid. Coming into the season, you said he's our best linebacker. Well, Gary – He's been the one that's been the most troubling linebacker in the naked eye, and that's McLeod. He's been mm-hmm. out of position. He's been late to spots. He's having, like, whatever, you, he's the one that gets turned around. Whatever is going on, what am I hope it changes? That's just a quick criticism on defense. Otherwise, I don't have a criticism on defense. That one particular kid, that player, Something needs to turn with him quickly because he's costing us also. I know everybody cannot be perfect. It's not about that. It's about three, four, five, six plays that I'm watching. I go back and I watch these things, and he's getting caught all the time. The other two linebackers is outplaying them clearly. And I only bring it up because you said he's supposed to be our special guy out of the three, and so far he's not performed special. Let me make a point about uh, Walker and why I think it's okay for him to go, Gary. And I know I understand different people have different walk of the lights and how what's going on with him in their life. One of the things why I'm not mad about him leaving is, okay, you say he probably should stay in school, build his resume, and get a better draft pick. Well, whoever is taking care of his daughter now, Mike can't do it for another four year, Gary. We don't know. See, he doesn't have his parents. So who's taking care of that kid? That kid? So whoever he's doing it, that's been doing it this past year, Mike can't do it for another four season and another full year. So maybe now it's time for him to take the responsibility and that's what he's going to do. So that's another way of kind of looking at things, Gary. It's not all about coming back and playing. It's about now starting his life and whoever needs Fair to enough. take care of that daughter. And that's, and that's what he's probably thinking about doing. Fair enough. Okay. All right. This one I would have brought up to you. I made my I was going to brought up to you win or lose the Friday game. I was going to bring it up. And congratulations to Mark. Um, I'm glad he won the ACC um, Coach of the Year. He's fantastic. I hope he stayed with us for another nine years. I think he got baited a little bit during the week, and I'm curious if you're the one that asked him this question or not. Um, I think he got a little duped, and I think he should have stayed away from the question. The question was brought up to him about his, the extra coach, and he actually kind of let something out the bag a little bit about saying he's not showing if he's going to have all the coaches on his staff next year. That I think he should have stayed away from and not bring that up because you know guys try to use things against us all the time. And and that, and actually after he said it, it was a few days, it was two or three reporters that did stories on it that saying that he might not have all his coaches there next year. I listen, your opinion, that's something I think he should have stayed away from. Just skipped over that question. Yeah, but he didn't question, really like, get specific like and, and really um you know, give anybody an idea of what he's really thinking. He just really kinda work. he, he just he kinda punted. Now. Yeah, but it's really worse not to be specific because now they could say, we don't know which coach is going to be there. You should really come to us. I'm, not, I'm reaching in a sense, but I'm just saying, I think it's something nah. that just, nah. Well, I wouldn't worry we, about that, gonna, Ross. You, well, you, got, you, know, you got bigger things to worry about than that. I wouldn't worry about that. Also, all right, Michael Irvin Jr., I hope we – I want him to perform well, but I hope we stay away from putting him in the game on obvious situation downs, meaning – Please don't have him in a game where we're really trying to throw the ball. This is Clemson we're talking about. They're well coached. They're well prepared. We cannot play the game that way. It, 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 the biggest loss for us with, with Chris is the 
block. And one of the things that he does well, quietly not getting the respect and, and, and the attention to, as far as nationally, is the fact that he was a great blocker for us. And he helped out the offensive line, and he kept everybody in, you know, you know, one of the things that he was doing was just continue to do it over and over every week. And I think he, Irvin should play on, on running downs, force him to block, keep him in there, so when you're throwing him the ball eventually, it's not, a, it's not really obvious that the ball, we're, we're throwing the ball. Because if you stick him in there, it's time to throw the ball, they're going to they're gonna jump right on that. That's just mm-hmm. a point that I'm kind of like looking at, you know. And as far as recruiting, yeah, listen. listen. I love your call, the caller that called him. I think before me, the military guy. I am one, you know how I feel about stuff like that, Gary. I am 100% behind him with this. This is not the year to fool around with us. If you want to go ahead and tell this one and that one that you're going to visit them before you commit to this one, please be our guest. Um, you had a wide receiver. Well, no, I mean, night. kids are entitled to take visits, Ross. It, I, what, what, where the problem is, is if you commit, you should sign on December 20th. Yeah, and you kind of threw that out to me last week. You said, um, this early period is really the party, the party, the time when they're, I think also they're going to keep the big game, the big assigning day also in February. So I think they're going to have, I think ESP and everybody else, they're going to keep two of them, two big ones. Because they're greedy like that anyway. And they want the, they want the ratings and they want the, the sh- I think these kids is going to use their platform to um, commit. But anyway, that's, that's something again that I could care less about. I just want to get the right guys. But you have a wide receiver that was up. I don't know if anybody brought it up um, earlier. I think he's a kid from, um, I want to say Atlanta. I think his last name is Hazard. Hazard. How big? Hazard. How good is that kid? How, how good is he? He's good enough that it, that they're considering taking him when when it looked like they were done. You know. So you want to hear something funny? You want to hear something funny? When I first bought him, bought him, I looked at it on the site. I actually thought it was a story about um, Michael Jackson because he actually looks like the uniform he wears actually looked like our uniform. Mm-hmm. I actually, I saw the story about Jackson. I didn't really look at it. He looks a little bit like him, and then I realized you were talking about a receiver. And I was like, "Wow, I hope him because if he's a talent, he needs to come." And, and well, they're August. looking at it. This playing around with recruiting, not this year. And yeah. one last one before I go, Gary. All right, last it's, one. One last one. The offensive line. You said it yourself. Quarterback is average. Offensive line is average. I know we got good ones, but if they're not ready to plug in next year, go to the JUCO ranks, fill that bill, and get it done. We have elite wide receivers coming in next year. We have elite running backs, and we cannot. Do you know we were? Do you know we was down? We've been down five times this year. Five at halftime. Five times. Five mm-hmm. times, Gary. I, I third down efficiency was out of all the schools. We are one twenty four out of one thirty. As far as it's amazing, down it's amazing to be a ten win team going into the uh, ACC championship game, isn't it? Yep, and I, no doubt about it. Said, you have to plug it. We can't fool around saying, "Okay, we we got your guys. And we're just going to plug them." No, if they're not ready, keep them because they're going to be good one day. But we have to plug them. Plug them, JUCO guys. This is a big year this year, but it's even a big well, they year are, next they're, year. They're, they're considering that on the defensive side, but right now we don't know of any JUCO offensive linemen being recruited. All right, Ross, I'm going to let you go because it's a great segue into the – I will. It's a great segue into the first question that was submitted on the message boards. All right, let me knock off a few of these. Why is the offensive line so weak? 
and why do the Canes always run from east to west? Is it because the team doesn't have a true fullback? Well, the first thing I'll say is that the offensive line position has been a terrible fail in recruiting for many years. And I think that this program's still paying the price for that and that it's gonna, still going to take a few more years to overcome it just due to continued attrition. I mean, like last year you lost Danny Isadora and you had to replace him. This year you're losing McDermott and Darling, who's been inconsistent, but he's still a veteran guy who's played a lot of football. You're going to lose St. Louis and Gauthier after next year and on and on and on. So it's going to take several years to get the quality right. And I think it's going to take several years to get the numbers right. And uh, it's just something that, that Mark Richt and his offensive staff are just going to have to endure until they can get enough recruiting classes back to back to back and get that position uh, shored up because uh, right now they got seven guys that they feel they can put in games and it, it really needs to be close to double that to be right. And uh, just not there at this point with so much at stake. How did the Canes lose to Pitt? Um, that's football upsets happen. Come on. It wasn't Turkey and stuffing. Well, I mean, what I'll say to that is, it probably was everything combined and, and I'm not convinced that the Turkey and stuffing didn't have something to do with it. You know, uh, I, I think fatigue of the season, you know, probably underestimating Pittsburgh, letting preparation habits slide. And yeah, you know, even eating that big, massive Thanksgiving feast the night before the game, when you had to go play at noon the next day, I don't discount any of it. And uh, Miami was fattened up for the kill so to speak, I would say. And uh, I also don't discount the law of averages. You know, who wins every game? This program is just starting its ascent, and it won 15 straight games. The ACC has a lot of balance, and you know the Canes made the breaks against FSU and Georgia Tech, which were two other games they could have lost. Well, Friday their number was just up, let's be honest. And uh, this is not the number one ranked team in America as much as everybody loves the Canes. I mean, it, it, it's a growing program, and uh, that doesn't mean a single thing about their chances this Saturday. We've talked about that tonight. I mean, they, they can beat Clemson. I, like I said, think the chances of winning got better by losing because the players are going to have more of an edge on Saturday, and they should be ready to play this game. But I don't think you could deceive yourself about where this program is, where this team is. And, and I think the fact that they made it through the, all the way to the last game of the year without a loss and that they're still in the playoff picture and they still have a chance to be champions of the ACC, I think, you know, that makes it a great year. But uh, no, no doubt, Friday was a tough day at the stadium. No, no argument there. All right, I'll continue onward with those as we go along here in the final 45 minutes, but I want to continue to get as many calls in as possible. So let's go to the 212. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's Bob Bob in uh, New York tonight. What's up, Bob? Uh, Welcome to the show. What you got for us? Yeah, just a couple of things. Number one, um, talking about uh, this coming Saturday, uh, let's just jump ahead a little bit to say that uh, I think based on what a lot of callers have said and and you've been saying as well that uh we got a reasonably uh good shot at winning on saturday certainly being in the game and and one point that i think really plays in our favor if we uh if we manage to hang in and i think we will up until 
very late in the game. The one advantage that that we've got, uh, at least up until this point, is the composure. Uh, uh, we have yet to lose composure, uh, and there have been a lot of opportunities to have done that, including this past Saturday. We didn't lose it when it was until that outside. last touchdown where they lost containment on the naked bootleg. Yeah, okay, but that's sort of a technical. I won't say that was composure. I'm talking about the composure. I'll contrast it with just, with just the whole thing: game. discipline, panic. I think they yeah, were all panicked exactly. at that point. Yeah, but but the composure I'm talking about is the is the is the kind of uh, uh, bankrupt composure that or bankrupt, uh, lack thereof that Alabama showed the next day. They were in that damn game. Uh, and that was uncharacteristic of as a, as a devil, but you got to. I think uh, there'd be no question they lost composure in that fourth quarter. I mean, any number of times, these guys simply they they were not playing. And I'm not an Alabama fan, but they were not playing Alabama football. And any number of opportunities they had, they blew it. And and if we get, and it's a big if, but. If we get into an opportunity where uh, we're there in the fourth quarter, like we have been a lot of times this past year, and uh, and and uh, we're eyeball to eyeball with with Clemson, uh, <laughs> I like our shot. I like our chances because I'm not sure Clemson won't pull uh, something similar to what Alabama did the other day. In other words, these guys will be saying to themselves. How can we lose? How can we be losing this this game to these guys? Yeah, good points. Uh, you know, again, you know, I, I think there are any number of technical areas, and uh, and and your staff is uh, is scoped out where how we match up uh, in the various units, and and by the way, I think you've really overstated, you know, the fact that our our offensive line is average. I think that's a stretch. Uh, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the Rozier is average. I think this guy has done terrific job this year with some <laughs> some glaring errors. Uh, this particularly this past this past he, he, uh, week. He but, has uh, far exceeded what anybody could have expected of him. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely true. But that's absolutely not true. An and and I would I would certainly argue with the, the guy that called in and saying we shouldn't be running him as much as we would. That's something he brings to the table. That that's uh, that's what makes I his game. Say, uh, sorry, that's that's a big part of his game and a big Huge part of part. a big part of our offense and something. You know, we've, we've gone up against some teams like Virginia Tech in the past. Uh, they've had running or quarterbacks that could run it, run the ball as well as throw it. That's a terrific additional advantage. Uh, uh, if and it's a big if, but uh, if if we can if we win this game and we we move on like we easily I think we could in the playoffs. I think I'd love to see this guy continuing to play like he has this next year. Uh, one last thing. Anyway, look, we're we're all hoping for a great game and. Uh, and, a, and a good performance by the guys. They're capable of doing it. I'm hoping that we have an opportunity to show that 
Composure was one of the big factors in our winning the game. The next and last question I'll have is, Mark Rick, and you know the guy, I'm sure, pretty well, would he, at this stage, uh, uh, conceivably agree to choosing someone uh, uh, as an offensive coordinator? Or do you think I, the I fact don't that think he, so? I, I, I think okay. that, that he likes calling the plays and he likes being engaged like this. Yep. Uh, it, it would be surprising if he, after going to that, turned back on it. But Yep. Yep, I, I I can go along with that. That's he's made these statements in the past. I'm not sure if he if he's really yeah. been thoroughly quoted, but uh, and, and and I don't and, think you can. I mean, I don't think anybody can really make. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's been a little conservative at times, but like I said earlier, when you have an average offensive line and an average quarterback, there's only so much you can do. And let, let's face it, he took the average offensive line and the average quarterback, and he won ten regular season games, almost eleven. So, I, I you know I what are you going to say? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, there have been these guys that have been talked about in the past where they've said, you know, one coach about another saying he's done more with what, you know, what he's had than uh, than anybody else could have done. He knows how to get, I think, the most out of uh, the most out of the skills that uh, that he's uh, that these kids uh, uh, present to him at the time. So, so in short of that, let's say he doesn't then opt for an offensive coordinator. Where do you think, where do you think he'd be looking to to fill in as this tenth slot? Maybe another defensive coach to help Manny Diaz with the linebackers. Uh huh. Okay. You know, I, I I I could see that. They let Manny focus more on being an, a, you know the coordinator and not have to coach a position group. You don't think another skill assistant in the offensive line area? No. He doesn't need another offensive line coach. You don't need two offensive line coaches. What's your What's your real feeling? I mean, I I, I I'm not sure you disagree. Um, you use the term average as far as uh, describing the offensive line. Do you think Do you think we're doing about as well, uh, uh, talent wise, in the coaching area on the offensive line as we could? I, I don't have an opinion on that. You know, okay. when when you've got six or seven guys that you could put in a ball game, and that's what your the state of your position, I yeah. don't know that it's fair to even begin to judge the coach. And I, I think they've survived with it, which I yeah. think is is a compliment to the coach. So yeah, yeah, it's been you an know, awfully the, long time since they were horrible had... the other day. I don't know if I blame Stacy Seals for that or not. I mean, they've been yeah. they terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope they do an about face. Okay. You got it. Thank okay. you for being part of the show. Okay, Gary. All right, a couple more questions. Malik Rozier has been pretty accurate throwing the ball this year, minus a few miscues. How do you explain his terrible performance at Pittsburgh? Was it just one of those days it doesn't add up? Well, I think it goes back to what we've been talking about all night. It starts by being honest about what he was and what he is. He's not an elite quarterback. He's a guy who's done a good job of executing – the offense that he's been given, he's been able to overcome his inconsistency during games by making big plays in the fourth quarter. And uh, he clearly was not as prepared as he needed to be the other day. He just didn't have it. And uh, I think a good analogy is why does a scratch golfer, you could take any guy on the PGA Tour or whatever, 
why do those guys suddenly on a bad day shoot 80? You know, it happens. Um, but he's been refocused on the practice field so far this week. And I'll be surprised if he does not play better on Saturday. Does Mark Richt ever send tapes into the ACC office for all the non-holding calls on the, on our defensive line? There were about eight plays last week. There were such blatant holds from the pit offensive line. It's been like that every week. And, and we've talked about it on the, on the show quite often also. And uh, I think it's fairly obvious that the ACC has made a concerted effort to cut back on holding calls uh, probably have gone a little bit too far. Some of them have really been blatant. thing that I will qualify is Miami's not getting called for holding either. It's been something like 540 plays since anybody got called for holding a Miami defensive lineman. Now, I mean, that's like absolutely absurd. It goes all the way back to the Florida State game. But I can't remember a Miami offensive lineman being called for a holding penalty over that time either. And uh, maybe I'm missing one or two, but I don't think so. I can't remember – the last time Miami had a holding call either. So that tells you that the ACC is going out of its way to try not to call holding, um, which is fine on one hand, but if it's impacting a football game, then it's not so good. And you're also kind of penalizing teams like Miami and Clemson that have elite pass rushers on their program, and you're not allowing those guys to get to the quarterback. Is the offense too predictable after the defense gets a turnover and the turnover chain comes out. It seems like Coach Richt is always going for the home run on first down. Then it's second and 10 and he runs the ball and then it's third and long and the offense is off the field. Uh, wouldn't it be better to mix it up a little bit, get some quick passes out of the backfield, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, it, it's a bit of a cliche, I think, in football, but a lot of coaches do tend to take home run shots after turnovers. You know, you see it every week. If you're if you're watching football, they do it to try to uh, capitalize on the on the emotion and extend the momentum. Uh, I guess if it's done too often, it could become predictable. And certainly, when it fails, like it has failed for Miami on more occasions than it hasn't, I guess it it, it could be perceived as a little bit of a problem. But the anecdote to it all is just better execution. And if you're running the ball on second down, get more yards than what you're getting. And if you if you decide to throw it, complete a safe short pass and put yourself in a better situation on third down. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think you're going to see too many offensive coordinators stop going for kill shots after turnovers. It's something that we've seen all throughout the years watching football. All right, let's continue on with your phone calls. And let's go now to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, good. Yes, sir. Who's this? This TC. I'm from Georgia. How you doing tonight? What's up, TC? Go ahead, man. Doing good. What you got? I'm going to keep it short and simple. Um, let's see here. Let's start with uh, Malik Rozier. I don't want to talk too much about him, but I know everybody else, along with yourself, um, saw the performance on last Friday. Um, he, he has to come out with more effort on this coming Saturday. He just has to. I mean, we can't see another lackluster performance from him. I mean, after that debacle last last Friday, um, he, he just—it's a must. I mean, this is like it, like they always say. Santana Moss said it: big time players make big time plays and big games. This is a big game. If I was Mark Rick, what I would do 
is make some sort of poster and maybe even hang it from the ceiling and let them see the disrespect from having a 10 and one team and only one player that made the all ACC team and that was a kicker, I will let them see that every day this week in practice so that way those those players would know, hey, man, you guys got disrespected. There's only one way to gain and earn respect, and that comes Saturday night at 8 p.m. You guys got to go out there and perform like never before, even better than the Notre Dame game. I mean, that's totally ridiculous. Ten and one team and only one player been a kicker? Make the whole ACC team, first team? That's, that's absurd. Couldn't believe that. I watched that that uh that team, or I looked at that all ACC first team. I think there was a player from uh, Virginia, maybe the the free safety, Juan Blandy. No disrespect, he's a good player, five star recruit. But come on, how many interceptions does this kid have this year? What is Virginia? What is their record? Four and seven or whatever. I'm like that is that's disrespect. Do you think some of that is the backlash from uh, what's his name, Hoka? Kirby, is it? Am I pronouncing his yeah. name right? Kirby Hoka, yeah. Being part of, yeah, being part of the uh, selection committee with him ranking Miami so high at number two. You think that's part of the backlash that Miami has gotten? No, no. And, First of all, he doesn't do it himself. They have a committee that does it in tandem. I don't think it has anything to do with anything. Okay, maybe I might just be leaning into that too much. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, I mean, not even one um, starter to make the all-ACC team, not even one player, not even McIntosh. Wow, that's total disrespect. Total disrespect. Well, and then, they, can make, they, can, they can make some respect on Saturday night. You know, now you're in the conference championship game. Go prove to everybody that you have good players. That's the way I look at it. Who cares about the all ACC team? Who? I mean, the all ACC team. It's it's fun to look at. Whatever. It, it, it they could be used this week for motivation. But you know, I would uh, I would send that to the same place that we sent the whole pit game in general. I'd flush it right down the toilet. Right. Now, on a different um, note, me and some guys were talking about. Mark Rick today um, at the barbershop, and they were saying that uh, Mark Rick has uh, reached his max. So, and his max is basically uh, 10 games. That's what he'll give you every season, 10 games, and then after that, you're pretty much done. Well, well that's what they used to say in Georgia. Well, we're going to find out. But I don't know, honestly, I mean, in total honesty, I don't know that it's fair to judge him like that right now. You've got to be realistic about where the program is. He's in year two of a rebuild. This is not a fully developed program yet. And they, they may not win these last couple games. You know, you're going to be playing the top five teams in the, among the top five teams in the country no matter what happens here in the next few weeks. And, and, and Miami just may, may or may not be ready for that. We'll see on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, right. I look at it right now. I consider us again 
overachievers. I, I know that we. Well, we it, that might be the case, and I think we're we're going to find out Saturday. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like this team may be overachieved. Maybe it was maybe it was only uh, a two or three lost team, and they got themselves into the national championship picture ahead of their time. I mean, we'll see. We'll find out Saturday. We'll know Saturday. Sure, we'll Justin, find out. There's no excuse you know, for this one. You're not gonna you're not gonna not be ready to play this game. So we'll find out. Right. I right. mean, everything Thanks. for the taken last last Friday. I mean, a Pittsburgh team that was what? How many wins did Pittsburgh have? They had four, but they, they that that was probably not quite representative of how good they are either. They were probably a 500 team. Okay, they lost, you know, team. they lost a couple games. They should have beat Virginia Tech and Blacksburg the weeks before. And I'm, uh, I didn't look at all their games, so I'm sure there was another one or two during the course of the season that maybe they could have won. I mean, that wasn't a full right. team. That, 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 that was a pretty good looking team the other day. I know Miami didn't play its best, yeah. but but they didn't look like a four win team. Right. All right, let me let some other people get on here down the stretch. Thank you so much for being part of the show, and give us a call again next week. All right, let me uh, continue on because we did get a lot of questions in this week. Um, how do we view the season despite the struggles of the offense at times? Um, I, I would say that maybe it was a little bit better than expected to this point, but the real test is, like I was just saying a second ago, is going to be what happens now. You know, Do they win Saturday, or do they take a two-game losing streak into a tough bowl game against, say, Alabama? Uh, Pitt was the let's, – let's put it this way. Pitt was the least quality team – that the Hurricanes are going to have to play or will play down the stretch here. So I think the final judgments have to wait until there's a final result. Best way I can look at that one. Moving forward, do we expect the offense to evolve more into what Mark Rick ran at Georgia? I would say yes from the standpoint that I think you're going to see him use a fullback more in the red zone and in short yardage situations like he did last year with Marquise Williams. Um, a pro-style passing game that he might have had with, say, a Matthew Stafford or a David Green. I'm not so sure about that because the, the better quarterbacks in the program right now are, you know, your dual-threat quarterbacks. You know, you got Nikozi Perry coming up. It looks like you're going to get this Williams kid committed soon. So, you know, even Cade Weldon can move around a little bit. So the dual-purpose quarterback is kind of like the way of life in college football now. So I don't know that you'll ever see Mark Rick go back to a pure – pro style offense uh, but I do think you'll see some changes next year and I think he's going to love having a fullback back because it's going to help it should help the red zone offense uh, we talked about Zach Fiegels a few minutes ago is he a, is he going to get better or is he beyond repair I don't think there's any question he's going to get better he's a freshman he has the leg I think his mechanics will get better as he gets more comfortable and, and works at it more so I'm I wouldn't be panicked about Zach Fiegels. He's, he, he's he, you know, if you remember, Michael Badgley struggled his first couple of years also. And now he's one of the better kickers in the country. With Bama losing this weekend, has their luster declined for some of the recruits like Job? Well, we'll see on Job. But other than that, I, I think Mario Cristobal's departure from the Alabama coaching staff to go to Oregon has, um, you know, pretty much taken the tide out of South Florida for the most part. I don't, think Miami's really going head-to-head very much with them this year, so it's not as big of a factor as it used to be. Have we seen a team as thin as the Canes do so much with so little room for error in the past? In other words, can we think of a player on offense or defense who has not equaled or exceeded expectations other than Fiegel's? Well, 
I mean, not really. Maybe I mean, if you look at it that way, maybe Amon Richards, but there have been extenuating circumstances there because of his injuries. I would say that the player development by the coaches on this team has been outstanding. And uh, sometimes maybe they substitute a little too much. You know, I don't know, but uh, they've really done a great job building depth and getting uh, a lot out of the complete roster. And I think you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Was not having a bye week in the middle of the season due to Irma a cause of the team starting slow and playing sloppy the last couple games, especially after the two big physical games with Virginia Tech and Notre Dame? It's certainly a possibility. I think they definitely could have used the bye week after Notre Dame. But the other thing that I noticed was Mark Rick backed off the team last week. He let them catch up on rest. He cut a day of work in pads. And maybe that backfired a little bit as the Canes were not really that physical against Pitt like they were against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. So those things can go both both ways, but uh, probably could have benefited from a bye week in there somewhere. I, you know, I, I can't argue that point. All right, let's go back to the phone calls here as we head down the home stretch. Let's go to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Are you with us? That's you. Hello? That's you. Um, hi. Hi, Who's I'm Gary. Um, um, I'm, I'm a Cloud fan. Yeah, okay. um, my family yeah, my fa- my family is kind of divided. We're in a little bit of a rivalry. Some for Clemson, some for Miami. I have two cousins in this football game, and I will be going up there. Um, Who are your cousins? Uh, for, um, Zach McLeod and Ray Ray McLeod. Um, starting oh, wow. Wide starting wide yeah. They actually I didn't realize they never they, met before. I didn't realize they were related. They're related, huh? Yes, yes, sir. They just never really met each other. They're Ray Ray's up in Tampa. That's their uh, family connection over there. So yeah, they're they're cousins. So we we're going up the road. We get ready to go up the road as a family to go see that game. So some of us are going to be yelling for um Clemson and some of them for Miami. I show I know the Kings got this game for sure. <laughs> it sounds like fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Um. I'm really happy about the season. Everybody's gonna, some people are gonna be mad because of the whole Pittsburgh thing. But if you told me at the beginning of the season that we were going to be, that we're gonna be number one, Florida State, demolish um, Notre Dame, because I was at that Notre Dame game and it was crazy. Actually, yeah, that that, that game was crazy, um, and that we would have been ten and one, and we would have been ranked number two. I'd have been jumping for joy, and yep. we still have a chance to, do, to um, get in this thing. So I can't wait to um, we, we drive up there to North Carolina and watch, and um, have a good time up there for the Canes. Thank you for call, let, letting me get on, and I'd like to be on hold. Thank you. All right, hey, have a good trip, and, and give us a call next week and let us know how it went. That'll be interesting to hear about if those two get to meet each other and how your family enjoyed the trip. Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller, sir. Yeah, give us a call next week. I'd be curious to hear about that. Thank you. All right. All right, let's go to the the, uh, 256. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what's happening, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Yo, this is Juan from Alabama. Hey, what's up, Juan? You might get your Uh, wish. 
Hopefully you don't, but you might. <laughs> Why you say hopefully I don't, Gary? Why you say that for? Well, man? because if they play Alabama in the bowl game, it's going to mean they lost to Clemson probably. But uh, No, 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 no. See, that's exactly what I wanted to start with. See, I got a couple of pages of notes. I've been ready to get on all night. Oh, my God. I hope I got not a couple pages. We don't have time for, for a couple pages. Go ahead. I'll give you a couple minutes. Oh, Go through man. Uh, so, my playoff, I got uh, Wisconsin 1, Miami 2, Georgia 3, Bama sneaking in at 4. And the only reason why I say that is because they're so biased for Ohio State and Alabama. Like, even with Ohio State's blowout loss to Iowa, they still talking about – they still got – if they beat Wisconsin, you know, I mean, it's just if, – if nobody can't see the bias, man, then, then I don't they're know what's going on. Even if they beat Wisconsin, they're not getting in because I don't think people respect Wisconsin that much. They're just throwing Wisconsin in there because they have to. They're undefeated. Hey, well, I think uh, Wisconsin's going to get them this weekend. Uh, I think I already heard you talk about the injury updates, uh, so we'll go ahead and skip through that. Uh, shout out to Herndon. Thank you for doing everything you did for us at the U while you were there, man. Shout out to your pops for calling in and, you know, giving us the steelo. You know, what we usually don't hear from a parent as far as a, uh, from a Canes football player. Uh, let's see here. And I got so many notes. Uh, for everybody that's worried about us being left out, man, we if we handle business this weekend, we will not be left out. Uh, as far as some fans, man, after that Pittsburgh game, I've seen a lot of people that say they Miami fans, they die hard. But, man, after that game, I saw a lot of people give up on the team, man. And that right there, it really kind of pissed me off, man. So what I want to say to the fans is if you down with the team, then be down with them. And if you ain't, get the hell on. Go ahead, go over there with the Crimson Whores and cry like they did all last weekend. Uh, congrats to Mark Rick for Coach of the Year. Malik Rozier will show up. Don't even worry about that. Y'all ain't got to worry about that. Uh we ain't had no offensive uh, – we ain't had no holding calls called on the offensive line in 550 plays, Gary. I do believe that is the number right there. Uh, the ACC voters, nothing but pure hatred, man. They hate us. So, we go out here and win this weekend, smack cleansing. We'll show everybody what's up and keep on winning. Uh, what else I got? What else I got? Oh, I hope we have some refs. That's that's actually gonna have their eyes open. Just want to throw that in there real quick. Uh, let's see here. Damn, so many notes. Oh, uh, we got to wrap up the quarter. The the running back Etn for uh, Clemson. The guy's a speedster. He ain't gonna he gonna throw off them arm tackles, man. We got to wrap him up and bring him down. That's all I got, Gary. Hurricane for life. Keep me on hold. All right, that was pretty good. You went through that uh, pretty fast. I'm impressed. But uh, thank you, as always, for being part of the show, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, let's go to the 916. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's Roland. Hey, what's up, Roland? What you got for us this week? What's up, man? Man, I got a couple of things, man. I don't know where Malik uh, uh, Rozier was throwing the ball last week because we, we should have won that game last week. We, there's no one where we shouldn't have lost that game. He was overthrowing guys, couldn't get guys on. On screens, I don't know. It, 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 something must have been going on with him. It, it, it had to be, man, because uh, it's not what a world pitcher to won that game. That's first. 
Yep, he wasn't. There was something wrong. Something going on. And then another thing, too, uh, we got to have some major upgrades on that left tackle and left guard next year, big time. As, as much as McDermott, you know, is fired up about the program, man, he was getting smashed. I mean, getting smashed. And, and Trevor Darling as well. So, um, we got to get – I mean, what's your thoughts on that left, left guard and left tackle? I mean, I think you got to get better everywhere on the O line. You know, obviously, you're yeah, going to be building Donaldson, and he's not going anywhere. But I, I, I just think yeah. you, you got to get better. You got to get some depth. You got to get competition going. You got to get stronger and bigger. I was, McDermott, yeah, I, 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 I think, has maximized his his ability throughout his career. He's he's done a decent uh, job. I think the, def- the problem McDermott has maximized. is that he he never should have played as a true freshman, and he should have one year left. Yeah, I was talking to, you remember Melvin Braddon? Yeah. You know Melvin Braddon. Yeah, I know Melvin. Man, listen. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this game this week. I know um, Clemson got a, a good D-line. I, honestly, I'm not worried about the defense. I think the defense going to show up. My question is, if they're not able to run the ball, you think they're going to go five wide? They got to go five wide. They have to. There's no one in the world. They can just have. They can. They can Honestly, have, uh, I think you got to do everything. I think you got to do everything. Exactly. I got. I think you got. You got to mix it up. I think you got to make Clemson think, get them on their heels a little bit, and I would be mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're gonna do a whole lot of. Yeah, a lot of. I would make on, them on be prepared for everything in this game. Every formation, every personnel package, yep. and then I would come with wrinkles on top of it. Okay. Okay. And last question: uh, With Joe Campbell. And uh, any more um, um, offensive linemen? Just any, 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 any other guys, old linemen that used to coming in? Because that, that's that's a really that's where we need to be strong. Yeah, we don't line. know yet. Don't know yet. Okay. I'm I'm that's expecting there to be some guys that are that are going to pop on the radar here. You know, late in the season. Okay. Gotcha. 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 All right, what's your, what's your prediction on the game Saturday? I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Charlotte. I, I, um, I got tickets for the game. I'm, uh, I'm like 50-50 right now if I get a hotel down there. But what's your prediction for the game? I honestly don't have a prediction. I, I really don't. I, I don't have any feel for for, for what's going to happen. I, I'm just I'm hoping, like everybody else, that they could put a good game plan together and go up there and play a good ball game. I think they could beat Clemson. I don't see Clemson as an unbeatable team by any stretch of the imagination. I agree. And but you're going to have to play well to beat them. They're, they're good. I mean, they're a good team. They're a good team. One last question. I'm going to get you. I know we can't go into 2018, but, it, but from what you see coming in this year and uh, going into the LSU game, what you think about Miami playing uh, LSU? What do you think about I think, that? I, mean, I think if, if Norton and McIntosh both come back as they should, that this will be a top five team entering the season. Yeah, yeah, because – yeah, yeah. LSU, from a quarterback standpoint, they got some issues. But that's not, yeah. that's not about that. But uh, yeah, but you can't have guys. Man. You can't have all these guys who don't have any business leaving early. Leave early, like they did this year. Like but you know, you gotta, to you me, but McIntosh has to McIntosh. do some research and see where he stands, and uh, you know, and make a decision. But to me, there's nobody else that should be even thinking about going out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think McIntosh should come back too because if he comes back and has a big year next year, I think he could be a first round pick. And I don't think he's going to be a first round pick this year. I see. I see second round at worst. McIntosh a beast on that inside. Yeah, he's got great potential. I I agree. I agree. He has great potential. All right. But you know, I, I think he'll be better a year from now than he is today, and I think that he's on the radar screen now. You got to realize he's going into yeah. a single game where, at least from the NFL scouts' view, he's he's the third best defensive tackle in this game alone. That's not even looking at the whole. Yeah. Match. So you yeah. know, we'll see. Oh wow! Yeah, I got a lot of people, man. They they they, they get they get a little nervous about Miami and LSU next year playing. Uh, a lot of LSU people get nervous about Miami next year. And that's going to be fun. So, it's going to be a fun opener. That is going to be, that is going to be a good opener. Keep me on hold, yep. Gary. I appreciate everything you You got it, man. Thank you. All Thank right. you for being part of the show. All right, let me knock off the rest of these questions. Um, how surprised are we that in year two, Miami's playing for the ACC title and a college playoff berth? Uh, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, let's be honest. The Coastal Division was not real good this year, and anything less than – winning the Coastal and going to Charlotte this weekend would have been a disappointment. So I'm not surprised at all. Uh, my initial prediction before the season was a 10-2 and two record. It looks like that they will exceed that in only losing one regular season game. But uh, I expected this team to end up in Charlotte, and that's where they're going. Um, has this year's team overachieved, or is it really good? Well, along the same lines, I think it depends on what your expectations were and how you qualify that. I mean, have they overachieved? I mean, not really. Not really. I I would say that they just won two of the three close games after losing them all last year. And, you know, how good? I mean, are they number one in the country good? Like they would have been if they beat Pittsburgh? Probably not. Are they top ten good? Like they are right now, yeah, I think they're top 10 good. And I think they've proved that all through the season. How do we assess the team? They only played well in two out of 11 games. Struggled mightily against weaker opponents all season. Two of 11 games, huh? I don't know if I agree with that. I'd have to go back and look at it. I mean, there's no question that they were very inconsistent. And that goes back to me, to the offensive line and the quarterback play and uh, you just can't hide. You can't hide from those things. Those are two very critical things. I mean, quarterback play, obviously, and, and offensive line play. And I got news for you. The reason Alabama lost to Auburn the other day isn't because Auburn has a better roster than Alabama. It's because Alabama's offensive line has been struggling this year and has not been up to standard. And that's why they weren't as good as they usually are. But uh, Average quarterback play, average offensive line play, those are great equalizers, and uh, Miami simply can't hide from those two things. How will Rick try to run the ball against the tough Clemson defense? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm not real confident about the power game, I'll tell you that. They, they, they tried to use the power game against Pittsburgh. It didn't work, and I think Clemson's better than Pittsburgh. I think, uh, like I said earlier in the show, that he's going to need some misdirection and some wrinkles in the offensive game plan this week. If they don't show up with them, I, I think running the ball could be a little tough against this defense. That's going to be obviously very motivated for this game. And uh, the last question was about RJ McIntosh, who we just talked about. So I'm going to skip that one. And we're going to go to now the final call of the night in the 302. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing? 
Hey, what's up, Gary? It's Butter P. Hey, what's up, Butter P? What you got? Right, Take us home. Uh, got quite a few. Got a, quite a few things. I just uh, trying to make them fast. Talking about the offense, uh, we see the offensive line been they've been struggling for the past couple of years. And what I mean by that, even a couple times through the Al Boone era, you made you wrote a couple pieces in the summer how the offensive line would kind of be our core. But as you said, it's been a lot of attrition on the offensive line. It's kind of holding us back. Uh, Roser has been good for us this whole year. Last week was horrible. I don't even want to harp on it. I expect him to bounce back. But I'm kind of want to talk about the offense and Coach Rick and the creativity. Now, you know, a lot of people say, should he bring in the OC? Should he do this? A lot of people need to remember, was he not the architect of the fast break offense of Florida State? Mm-hmm. He ran that offense. He ran that offense. Uh, so he knows what he's doing. He had a pro style at Georgia that was pretty good. And I, I kind of got kind of uh, had mixed feelings at first. I wanted him to be the coach, but I, I didn't want to kind of have a smash mouth type of football team. Because I think what we have, we have a lot of speed guys. They don't have, they're not finesse, but we can have maulers up front, but our skill positions still need to be the way they are. But I thought if he tried to implement a smash mouth game, we're not really built for that yet. And I think he's kind of finding that out. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, but but he's not going to abandon the running game. I, I, I think that whether the team is built for smash mouth or not, I, I, I think that Mark Rick has been around football long enough to understand that you can't abandon the running game and you have to stick with it. And I think he tried to stick with it even at Pittsburgh, but uh, just nothing was working. So I don't think you'll ever see him abandon the running game. I think you've got a, a really good running back coming into the program next year and Lingard to uh, who, who will be paired with Travis Homer. Uh, you'll use DJ Dallas some there in, in situations, and I think you're going to continue to see the running game be a big part of the offense. I don't want it to go because we have some great backs in our history, and I believe we got a couple more coming in. Now, uh, this Clemson game, I heard people talking about five wide. You know, we need to do what we need to do. Do you think he will use some type of up-tempo, fast-break offense to kind of keep them off balance? It's going to be hard to change the offense, but they'll definitely I, – I think they'll try to go with more tempo. They kind of got away from that, and uh, I think that that's an obvious strategy to try to employ, just to get try to get the juices going a little bit, you know, and get a little momentum and, and rhythm going. So, uh, you know, that, that's something that you might see. Now, I just don't think you can well, – I don't think you can just go out there status quo. I think you got to really put a good plan together exactly. and have a good strategy and exactly. take your best shot. Exactly. I'm not saying spread them out, but I agree. I think we have an advantage at the receivers. And the, the advantage is this. Like you said, on the inside, they get one of the linebackers on Cager or Langham, one of the big guys. I think Rozier is crafty enough or got enough accuracy to get it over the linebacker, which Evan Sheriffs didn't do on that one drive. And that would give us an advantage. Also, uh, defensively, we got the shaft in that uh, first team all ACC. Now, I know Coach Rick is a great guy and a great coach, but that just showed him what the ACC really thinks about Miami as a team and as a program. Will he next year, do you think he's the type of coach that will give it back to them coaches? And I don't mean in voting, but if we have the opportunity to run the score up and send a message, do you think he would do it? Because they just showed they don't care about us. And I, I think he should send a message, if this is the way you want to treat us like renegades, we're going to play like renegades, but we're going to be classy about it. No, I don't think that factors in. I, I don't think – at the end of the day, the all-ACC team doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. I do think they'll use it as some motivation this week because it's obvious to do so, but 
what what does it really matter? What does all ACC even mean? It's a, who cares? Exactly. As long as we win, let's go, Kings. We get the win on Saturday, Gary, and that's all I got. Thanks for the show. All righty. Thanks for being part of it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, you know, we talked about the Pittsburgh game. Said from the very beginning of the show and didn't hear anything all night. You know, flush it right down the toilet. You know, you're playing Clemson Saturday night. Everything's in front of them. And uh, hopefully they show up with a great game plan and and, and give everybody a good game to be proud of. I want to thank the startup.com. We've talked about all year, the company created by Canes fans where you got to be a Canes fan to work. And now they want to help Canes fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world, the startup.com. I want to thank Harry's razors. Uh, If you need that Christmas gift for somebody, uh, you don't want to spend an enormous amount of money, but you want something nice. uh, Give them the gift of Harry's Uh, go to, uh, harrys.com forward slash cane sport. Uh, you'll get uh, the $5 discount off your order and they'll also give you free shipping. And those Harry sets make great stocking stuffers and nice little gifts. So if you're looking for something, check out Harry's harrys.com slash cane sport. We'll be back next Tuesday night to slice and dice through the Clemson game. We'll see how the canes show up on Saturday one way or the other, it'll be interesting, and I want to thank everybody for listening tonight and for those callers that called in for good calls, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday night, everybody. Bye-bye, Pittsburgh game.